to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. The time has finally come to jump into the NRL Round 1 preview. The season is finally upon us. I could not be more stoked. And yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting Round 1. Unfortunately, I'm away on a business trip this weekend. Poorly, poorly timed. But thankfully, I have JJ alongside me. He'll be watching all the action this weekend. And then I will be back for the rest of the season as well. So it's going to be a huge first round. Let's not waste much time and jump straight into our first game. We've got the defending premiers. The Hunters are now the hunted and it's going to be a whole new setup for the Panthers. Very much the same team, but all preseason I've had lingering kind of worries about Cleary's kind of shoulder injury and things like that. And now we see that Cleary is going to be out until round three or out of the first three rounds, excuse, whatever the fuck that is. Um, so Sean O'Sullivan has stepped in to the halfback position. He was originally a Panthers junior. He's come over from the Warriors where he played a fair bit of first-team football last year. So he'll be more than ready to step in. He's played with a lot of these guys before. He knows the Panthers system. And, yeah, overall, it's going to be a very interesting game. Panthers missing their best, Nathan Cleary, but the Seagulls are not missing their best. And for each team, I'll be looking at an X-Factor player, similar to my season previews, which are out. Uh, I've released most of those podcasts now, which you can go back and listen to. So Cleary, I would say, would be the X-Factor for the Panthers, but he is out. Now, for the Seagulls, definitely Tom Trebojevic coming off one of the best seasons we have ever seen from an individual player, getting the Deli M, unfortunately not the premiership, but Tom Trevojevic will absolutely be primed to fire again. And if he can stay injury-free, the Seagulls are most definitely a premiership contender. So no doubt that the X-Factor player for the Seagulls is Tom Trebojevic. But for the Panthers, and I'll get to the team list in a moment, I've gone RP Coruscant as the X-Factor player. I know they've got Mitchell Kenny on the bench who may step in and play that number nine. It's his natural position. And Coruscant, of course, moving on to the Tigers next year. So Kenny will eventually be, or it looks like, will be the Panthers' long-term number nine. But as far as this game goes, RP Coruscant is the X-Factor for the Panthers. If the Fords can get a roll on and RP can give good service to his halves, then I think there's potential for the Panthers to potentially go 13-plus. They have a really exciting lineup, but no doubt the Sea Eagles will be marking this down as the perfect way to start the season, beating last year's premiers. So RP Coruscant and Tom Trevojevic are the two respective players I've picked as the X-Factor players. And now we'll quickly just jump through their team. I'll start with the Panthers. Dylan Edwards lines up at fullback, which he was the grand final winning fullback. On the wings, they've got Brian Toto and Charlie Staines. Now Staines missed out on that grand final team last year. Of course, had the unbelievable start to his career. 
they're getting him back in the team now. I think he'll be better for being dropped. I think he'll be more hungry. And if Dylan Edwards goes down, we have seen Staines play for some fullback in the trial. So I think Staines may be their second string fullback. I know Stephen Crichton is also an option, but Charlie Staines, I think he'll be looking to have a much better season this year. And in the centres, the Panthers have got Stephen Crichton and my one to watch for the Panthers. So each team will have a one to watch as well as the X-Factor player. And Isaac Tago in the centres is my one to watch for the Panthers. He was an incredible form playing in the centres to start last year in New South Wales Cup. He's long been touted as a great prospect, can play in the back row, but I think he'll be suited really nicely to that left centre position that has been vacated by Matt Burton. Tago may play on the right and Crichton could play on the left, but I think at the moment it looks like Tago is going to play out on that left side. So a formidable back five featuring three players from their grand final win last year. Then in the halves, Jerome Luai and Sean O'Sullivan, who's going to be replacing Cleary, as I touched on just before. We've got Moses Leota in the front row alongside James Fisher-Harris. Harpy Corsau, my X-Factor player at dummy half. In the back row, Viliami Kikau off to the Bulldogs next year. We, of course, saw that rogue jersey leak. So Viliami Kikau is off to the Bulldogs next year. I'm sure he'll be ready for a huge final season at the Panthers. And on the other side of the field, on the right side, they have Liam Martin. So Kirk Capewell has signed to the Broncos, and Liam Martin now gets promoted into that back row position, which he's played before. He started there before, and... He played for the New South Wales Blues off the bench last year, so huge year ahead for Liam Martin, and he is going to look to claim that back row jersey long term. At lock, they have Isa Yo, so he'll be captaining them with Cleary's absence, and Isa Yo, one of their best players, one of the most, I know he's rated highly now, but he's still one of the most underrated players in terms of the elite ones, so Isa Yo is going to be huge for the Panthers. On the bench, Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lanier, a really great young forward. Matthew Eisenhuth. So not the strongest bench, but they should get the job done. They were an incredible team last year and went all the way to the grand final and got it done. So that's their first team. And in the reserves, there's a few names. Jermaine Hopgood, Chris Smith, who was released from the Bulldogs, Jamin Salmon, Taylor May, Kurt Falls, Sonny Luke, and Robert Jennings. So they're doing a few more reserves this year, which I found it interesting to have a look who may be the next one in, like if Cleary continues to have injuries and one of Luai or Sullivan don't play, then maybe we see Kurt Falls, who's named at the number or in the number 22 jersey. So it's interesting to see who kind of the emerging options are for each club. Now taking a look at the Seagulls, Tom Trebojevic at fullback, the X-Factor player. On the wings, Ruben Garrick and Jason Saab, who are both coming off phenomenal years. Brad Parker and Morgan Harper in the centres, so... That is very much their whole first, most of their team is pretty much their first team that they were trotting out last year. In the halves, Kieran Foran and Daly Cherry Evans. And Kieran Foran, of course, alongside Daly Cherry Evans, they were the 2011 Premiership winners for the Seagulls under Des Hasler. So a lot of similarities there. Now instead of Brett Stewart at fullback, they have Tom Trebojevic. They have some incredible wingers. And yeah, the old that 2011 Seagulls team was iconic, but this team is building a legacy of their own. In the Fords for Manly, they have Toff Sipley, or Toffafola Sipley, sorry, butchered that name, former Warrior, which is my team. And yeah, Sipley has worked really hard. 
he didn't make the team uh, in the finals last year where they lost. So he's worked his way into that starting front row jersey, obviously put in a lot of work over the preseason. Martin Tapao will partner him in the front row. It seems like he has lingering back issues. JJ also has Tapao in his supercoach team, I believe. I do, so it's good to see him uh, starting, or at least named. Yeah, yeah, he's starting. I don't know, he may play off the bench. Sometimes they started him last year, but then ended up playing him off the bench. Mm. And they may rule him out before kickoff, but he's been named, so it looks as though he's going to play. We can keep an eye on the injury, I suppose, um, if that flares up or not. But yeah, hopefully he, uh, he plays and uh, has a good season. Alongside him will be Hamole Olakawatu, who was supposed to be injured but has been named in the back row. If he gets pulled before kickoff, it looks like maybe Carl Lawton steps into the back row position. Uh, Andrew Davey is named in their reserves, extended squad, so maybe he comes in. But Hamole looks like he is fit and ready to go, which is a really big bonus for them. I thought he was going to be out. That may still be the case. In the other back row position is Ethan Bullimore, extremely fast forward. He's been signed from the Broncos. At dummy half, Lachlan Croker, who retained the position. I thought Carl Lawton might edge him out for that number nine. But Lachlan Croker, uh, probably last at the start of last year, a very uh, unexpected. I didn't expect that he would still be here as that number nine option. Of course, the club lost Manasi Fainu. He stabbed someone? I don't know. Allegedly, of course. Uh, some, he's some kind of court drama. Uh, classic yeah, NRL vibes. But, yeah, I don't, wanna, I don't know what happened. So, yeah, I don't know whether he's guilty or innocent. It's not my place to say. All I know is that he left and Api Corsa went to the Panthers. And ever since then, that number nine position has been kind of an area where people say, uh, is that, like, you know, is Lachlan Croker, Croker going to take them to a premiership? But he's shown plenty, like... He's definitely shown plenty. I'd be, I'm happy to see him get a go. Let's see what he can do this season. So that is the first 13. Of course, Jake Trebojevic at lock. And on the bench for the Seagulls, Tolotau Koala, who is my one to watch. He was my one to watch in my Seagulls season preview. He's a backline player, centre, can play wing, can play fullback as well. So he's been named in the number 14 with Dylan Walker out for round one. And I'm really excited to see my one to watch, Tolotau Koala, make his NRL debut, nearly said AFL. <laughs> Carl Lawton is in the number 15, Sean Kepi in the 16, and the big unit, Taniella Paseca, in the number 17. Their reserves extended squad was interesting too. A couple of names where I was like, oh, wow, they're very close to NRL football, Alec Tuivake and Kao Weeks, as well as James Romanos, who had been playing for the Bulldogs over the last few seasons at reserve grade level. Uh, so, yeah, some interesting reserves there for the Seagulls. As for which way I'm going to go in this one, I'm taking the Panthers. I think it's going to be a very close game. I can definitely see the Seagulls winning, but head-to-head, and I'm just doing head-to-head. I'm not sure I'll do the 13-plus or 12. I'm just going to try to go head-to-head for this uh, season. And, yeah, Panthers versus the Seagulls. I am taking the Penrith Panthers. Which way are you going in this one, JJ? Yeah, I've also gone the Panthers. Um, the Seagulls are definitely a danger. Uh, pretty closely matched all these teams. Um, the Cleary, Cleary factor is definitely a factor. But uh, just something in me thinks that they still have enough quality to get over the line. But I will ask you this, um, with Cleary being out, who takes over kind of the kicking 
duties, both conversions and like in play kind of kicks? Conversions, Stephen Crichton, he's a serviceable goal kicker. He'll have no trouble, I don't think. Jerome Luai, I'm pretty sure can kick goals. Api Corusau, he's not... It's not his preference to kick goals, that he can kick goals, but Stephen Crichton is a really good goal kicker. He's been mm-hmm. the backup in the past when Nathan hasn't been playing, so I think he'll get the gig in that regard. And as for the in-play kicking, I think Jerome Luai will step up and take a bigger role in the squad. He now is kind of maturing into a senior player after only a couple of years ago being a very great young emerging player. He made his debut against my team, the Warriors. So, and I saw a lot of him at under-20s and New South Wales Cup level. So, yeah, I know firsthand. I'm not fucking firsthand. I wasn't the one trying to tackle him. But, yeah, I've had a pretty good insight into just how good Jerome Luai can be. He has an incredible IQ, I think an underrated IQ, as far as gameplay and the knowledge of the game and the rules goes. So I think Jerome Luai will step up a lot, and that probably means he takes some responsibility with the kicking. Mm-hmm. But Sean O'Sullivan, I think, as well will probably put his best foot forward. He didn't handle as much of the kicking last year for the Warriors, so that's what leans me toward thinking Jerome Luai probably does a lot of it. Maybe we see Api Corusau chip in as well a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Sean O'Sullivan, he's pretty good. I'm sure he'll be able to kind of play his role. He's, no mm-hmm. one's going to be Nathan Cleary, but yeah. I think Sean O'Sullivan is a really good pickup for them considering they lost Tyrone May, who can play in the halves, mm-hmm. and they lost Matt Burton. So Sean O'Sullivan kind of comes in with NRL experience, and he can plug that gap mm-hmm. and do it pretty well. So, yeah, I think Luai will step up, do a lot of the kicking, but Sean O'Sullivan, I think he'll play his role as well. So they'll, they'll have enough creativity to score the required points. That's kind of the... Hopefully. Yeah. Well, they they got belted by the Eels, and I know it was only a trial, but it was like 30, 36-0, 36-0, I think it was. So mm. that was without Cleary, but I think that was being made a bit too much. Mm. of a deal out of and yeah I'm interested to see how they go Sean O'Sullivan played really well throughout Mm -hmm. the trials and I think Manly will be hungry so yeah it's going to be a great kind of indicator but I don't think the Panthers are going to drop off at all this season Mm -hmm. I think they're going to still have that intensity I know that people talk about like how hard it is to win two premierships like back to back Mm -hmm. just because like of all the different factors but one factor that they don't have to factor in and that a couple of teams in the last two years haven't is the World Club Challenge where a lot of the teams, most years, the like Premiership winner, the mm-hmm. year after they travel to England and they play the Super League uh, Premiership yeah. winner. Yeah, that's right. And so that, I think, takes a toll, definitely, having to travel overseas in your pre-season mm. and play a really hard game against like the best Super League team who want to prove a point up against the best NRL team, like who's the best team. Mm-hmm. In the world, so yeah, I think that not having to do that mm. will have a massive, like, positive impact on the Panthers, and I don't think they're going to lose their hunger at all. I think mm. I still definitely think they will be there or thereabouts come Grand Final day. So yeah, I yeah. still have very high wraps on the Panthers. Yeah, cool insight. All right, another good matchup uh, taking place Friday night in Canberra. It's the Raiders versus the Sharks. How how do you see these team lists, Mick? Who's who's going to come out on top on this one? It's a very, very close game. Uh, I'll jump through the Raiders team list first. And one player that I really like, but he's had some really average moments the last two years in big games, is Semi Valame. Uh, he's playing on the right wing. It looks like it's going to be for the Raiders. Hopefully left wing. He's definitely a left-sided winger, so he struggled so badly in a game last year at right wing that they had to swap him with Rapana. So I, but I think he has so much potential. So Valame, 
is one I'm definitely keeping an eye on that caught my eye as far as I think that's something that could play into the Sharks' hands. Uh, over in the Sharks' team list, Ronaldo Mulitalo being named in the centres where he's been playing on the wing. I think that's really interesting as well as far as developments go. I don't know what's happened to Connor Tracy. He's not in the reserve, so maybe an injury or suspension. I'm not on top of that. But Mulitalo playing in the centres, which is very interesting. I'll jump through both team lists now. So Canberra, Chance, Nicole Klockstad, or Klockstad now. Got to remember that name. He is getting the fullback role, which I, I definitely think that's the right call over Xavier Savage. Savage is going to be an unreal player for years to come, including this year. But I just, why drop Chance? He's amazing in defence. I think he's a huge part of what makes the Raiders as good as they are. So I really like Chance keeping that fullback position. In the centres, huge news. Ricky Stewart has said he's going to start Jared Croker in the New South Wales Cup to kind of get a feel for things again. So very interesting for the captain to have to drop down to reserve grade level, but it gives him a great chance to get fit again, hit good form. And yeah, maybe just it could be a potential liability if his body's not right playing NRL level. So yeah, best of luck to Jared Croker. But that has opened the door for an unexpected somewhat debutant in James Schiller. And he is my one to watch from the Raiders. And I'll tell you why. He's a son of someone, Schiller. I actually don't know who his dad is. I'm from no, no disrespect to his dad. Uh, but I know that he's the son of a player who was supposedly very, very good. I'd assume his last name was Schiller. Um, and, yeah, James, the one thing about the Raiders that I really like, they have heaps of incredibly talented young backs, including a few that they signed this year, just as, like, James Schiller is one of them. And James... There were, as I said, they just signed all these young backline stars. I know they had Harley Smith Shields go down with injury, who I had ma- or have massive raps on him. But they had a lot of young backline stars contending to kind of break into that NRL spot. And James Schiller has obviously shown Ricky Stewart something. He has got that position to start the year. So that's massive. James Schiller is my one to watch. I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on him. He's coming over after playing his junior footy with the Dragons. Matthew Tomoko or Tomoko will be his partner in the centres. Tomoko or Tomoko, sorry, i got to get that one right. Tomoko was a really great young junior, played in the same team as Harley Smith-Shields, Semi Valame and a few others. So Matthew Tomoko has been kind of waiting in the wings, waiting to kind of become a regular first grader. He now gets that chance and I'm really excited to see what he can do. On the wings, Sammy Valame and Nick Kotrich coming back from the Bulldogs to where I like to see him. The Canberra Raiders are my second team. My dad's from Canberra. I'm from Auckland, so I go for the Warriors, but I've always grown up watching the Raiders. They are undoubtedly my second team. I go for them up against every other team except the Warriors, and I couldn't be happier to see Nick Kotrich back. I saw some Raiders fans being like, nah, fuck him, he left. It's like, come on. At this stage of like, yeah, at this stage of what footy is like, and players signing contracts. Like, fuck, it's the NRL, literally. I could be reading a team list. One of these guys will be on another fucking team in, like, two weeks, you know, probably playing their own team. So Nick Kotrich, back where he belongs, the Serbian sex god, has hung it up. He's not going to live in the big smoke of Sydney. He's coming back to Canberra, where he's from. In the halves, Jack Whiten and Brad Schneider. Now, the Raiders signed Jamal Fogarty to come over from the Titans and be their number seven. 
because George Williams, obviously there was all of that. I can't, I don't have the time to get into that, but if you're an NRL fan, you'll remember the George Williams fiasco last year. Well, Jamal Fogarty is out for the first four months of the competition, so quite a while, and Ricky Stewart has decided to show faith in Brad Schneider. Now, in my Canberra Raiders preview for my season preview podcast, I said that if Fogarty goes down or Whiten, I want to see Schneider in there over Frawley and Sam Williams. That wish has been granted, and this kid is definitely their long-term number seven. I feel very strongly this kid has the skills, and I think one of the reasons that the Raiders bought Jamal Fogarty, and he, Fogarty said that Ricky was honest with him. Like I think Ricky said, like we have this emerging young halfback, and you're not guaranteed to be our number seven. And so that's a challenge in itself for Fogarty, who is a great player. But I think there was that eye to like, why sign a marquee halfback and break the bank? Or like, yeah, make moves to try and bring someone in just because we don't have a halfback or we've lost George Williams. I think they've picked Jamal Fogarty because he's a little bit older. He's still got good years to give. But it gives Brad Schneider, you know, time to develop because they haven't had New South Wales Cup running properly for the last two years. So Schneider's missed out on a lot of development. I think that's where Jamal Fogarty came in. But Schneider, I think in the Raiders' eyes, he is their long-term half. So it's going to be awesome to see him play his second NRL game after debuting off the bench and playing like one minute. So this kid, very special, Brad Schneider. Moving on to the forward pack for the Raiders, Josh Papali'i, Joseph Tarpane at prop. Both of them, that is one of the best front row combinations in the competition, no doubt. I think I predicted Raiders to come 10th, but I think if those two fire, then the Raiders are going to go a long way to being there toward the premiership, definitely. Like these two are an elite combination. Josh Hodgson has beaten out Tom Starling for the number nine jersey. Starling will come off the bench. Hodgson will start, and of course he is off to the Eels next year. In the back row for the Raiders, they've got Hudson Young and Corey Harawiranara managing to fit both of those talented stars in there, which I think is a great call. And Elliot Whitehead moves to the number 13 jersey, which I think is perfect. I reckon Elliot Whitehead is going to make a very, very good lock. And I almost prefer Hudson Young and Corey Harawiranara in the back row. So I think it's a great move for Whitehead. And the Raiders have Starling, Emre Gula, what's his name? Adam Elliott. There's a smaller font. Adam Elliott and Corey Horsburgh. So that is a very, very good team. Uh, who was my X-Factor player for the Raiders? That was Jack Whiten. Obviously had a pretty average year last year, not just because of him, you know, a lot of other circumstances, but he was the Delium winner the year before that. Jack Whiten, no doubt, the Raiders X-Factor player this weekend. On to the Sharks, Will Kennedy at fullback, a tremendous player. Sione Katoa on one wing and Matt Ikuvalu coming over from the Roosters, which is where the new coach, oh, I forgot to mention, Craig Fitzgibbon, has his feet under the desk now, well and truly. It is game one in his head coaching career. So Craig Fitzgibbon, this is the first team he has run out and Matt Ikevalu follows him over from the Roosters as a nice little signing. In the centres for the Sharks, Jesse Ramian and Ronaldo Militalo. And then in the halves, we have Matt Moylan and my X-Factor player, Nico Hines. So... My X-Factor player for the Shark, he... Or shark? Yeah, Phil Good style. Just, yeah, Phil Good doesn't call them Sharks or Raiders. He calls them Shark and Raider, which I really like. I just, yeah, Phil Good is a fucking boss. I know a lot of people don't like him. I'm a huge 
fan of Phil Gould. Anyway, X-Factor player, he is coming over from the Melbourne Storm. He's not the only one either. Nicholas Hines had a tremendous year last year. Wasn't even supposed to be in the Storm's best 13, but Ryan Pappenhausen struggled with concussion. And so Hines stepped into fullback and literally was one of the best players in the competition. Like it was that point then teams started chasing him because obviously there wasn't a spot for him because he was behind Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, Pappenhausen and Harry Grant. And then, yeah, he wasn't really contending for the number nine, only the one, six and seven. So he now gets that chance to be the main man at the Sharks. He's the guy I think can get it done when it's on the line, but it's there are question marks. I don't really have them because he's a natural half, but there are question marks how he's going to handle because he was playing fullback last year and now he moves into the number seven. And he's got Matt Moylan alongside him, JJ, who... He's in your super coach team, Ben Hunt's Heroes or B Hunt's Heroes. I thought that was a bit of a curious one, getting Matt Moylan in there. What was your thought process on that? Uh, well, yeah, the theme of B Hunt's Heroes is actually um, redemption arcs. So as we saw last year, um, Ben Hunt turned, turned back the clock a bit, uh, found some great form. And I was, yeah, actually going to jump in with the question, how do you see the trajectory of Matt Moylan's season playing out? Can he reach... Former heights, or is he? Is there a limit? Ah, uh, like I, I don't want to. I don't want to put a limit on him, but I don't know if he can reach the heights. And the, when he reached great heights, it wasn't for the longest period of time, and it's been a long time since he reached those heights. Now injuries, a lot of things have played a part, and I think that move to number six is yeah, definitely the best move. But it's very interesting. He's got. Luke Metcalf, he's got Braden Trindle and a couple of other guys behind him pushing for that spot. I think that kind of makes him hungry. I think Craig Fitzgibbon, look, if anyone's going to get the best out of Matt Moylan, I think Craig Fitzgibbon can. So it's going to be a very wait and see approach. But mm. if Matt Moylan goes well, that will be one of the super coach masterstrokes of the season from, from, uh, from you. sorry. And you did pick Ben Hunt last year when he was down. And he had the best season I've seen from him since they made the grand final. So Matt Moylan, uh, he's one of JJ's ones. So he's his X-Factor player, I guess. I guess the, the, the supplementary question would be, in the past, was did he have most of the playmaking duties? Like, will will this no. be a slightly, slightly different role? or uh, He's played this role before. But okay. yeah, just a very different makeup of the team, I think, around him. A lot of the guys who were at the Sharks when he was predominantly playing number six aren't really I don't know that's just been a lot of different moving parts he's never played alongside Nico Hines in the halves Mm. but yeah I don't know it's very interesting I think if Craig Fitzgibbon can get the best out of him then they're going to go a long way toward making the top eight but Mm. I don't know I really like Luke Metcalf he's coming to my side the Warriors next year Uh, I would like to see him get a go on the number six Mm. but Let's see. I think something, Moylan, is he off contract? Most probably. He probably only signed a one-year deal. I think he's going to want to have a great season. Like the Dolphins are coming into the comp next year. He'll, he'll probably need a deal. So I think Matt Moylan, if there's any season where he's going to come out and kind of yeah rip and tear, it's going to be this one. The incentive's there. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, onto the forwards now, I guess. Yeah, we've got Toby Rudolph in the forwards alongside Braden Hamlin Ueli both in the front row. That's a very strong pair. But up against Josh Papali'i and Joseph Tarpane, yeah, I think Braden Hamlin-Ueli and Toby Rudolph, they're going to have a pretty tough assignment to lay the platform and set the tone to start the 
to have a game. I was going to say fight. Been doing a lot of UFC. How good is it to have the footy back? In the dummy half position, Blake Braley. He's the long-term option, so it's going to be great to see how he goes in this one. Britton Nakora in the back row alongside Teague Wilton. Now, Britton Nakora, it has been rumoured that he may be off to the Tigers or the Warriors or somewhere else. So Britton Nakora, it looks like he hasn't been offered a contract for next year, but he starts in the back row. Maybe we'll see him play some unreal football. Maybe this is a ploy from the Sharks. Maybe they have someone already lined up they think can fill that position for cheaper. Or, you know, are they forcing Nakora's hand to play so well that they have no option but to re-sign him? So Nakora in the second row, Teague Wilton and Dale Finucane from the Storm. Huge signing, massive for their leadership, especially once Cameron McInnes gets back. They'll have a lot of leaders on the park, so huge to have Finucane joining the Sharks. Aidan Tolman, Sifa Talakai, Royce Hunt and Andrew Fafita on the bench. So a four-man or a four-forward bench, but Talakai can play centre as well. Now my... One to watch for the Sharks was Teague Wilton, who lines up in the second row for Wade Graham, who is out. He's had quite a lot of issues. So Teague Wilton has a huge opportunity. They've had massive raps on him for a while now. This is a year for him now, after playing some first grade, to really step up now and become a consistent member of the squad. So Teague Wilton is my one for the, to watch for the Sharks. And before we move on to the next game, I'll make my prediction. And this one is a very, very close one. Basically flip a coin, but I am going to be taking the Raiders, maybe because they're my second team, but I just love Papali'i and Tarpane in the front row. Huge on Tom Starling coming off the bench. And yeah, I do have question marks over Semi Valame and kind of the young centres in Tomoko and James Schiller. But ultimately, I really like Brad Schneider in the halfback jersey. And I think the Raiders have enough, but it should be a very close game. So I'm taking the Raiders in this one. Which way were you going, JJ? I'm a little bit biased towards the Sharks, but I think it will be a close game. It balances but... itself out because I'm a little bit biased <laughs> towards the Raiders. Yeah, I got a bit of a... I guess they're like my pseudo second team, I suppose. But um, yeah, I like the Sharks here. I'm pretty high on the Sharks this season in general, so that's kind of what's playing into it. Um, just see, seems like they've picked up a lot of good pieces. Um, yeah, the halves, Nico Hines, as you say, possibly one of the most exciting players in the competition. So, yeah, um, just wanted to ask before we went on to the next game, does this Sharks side look distinctly different in any way because of the new coach? Like, does it have a different flavour in your eyes or is it kind of what was existing? Similar. Pretty much what was existing. Like, we've seen Nakora in that position in the back row. Teague Wilton's played in the back row before. Hamlin Ueli and Rudolph have been the front rowers before. Braley's been the number nine last couple of seasons. So very familiar. If anything, they're probably boosted. They do lose Sean Johnson, but Nico Hines, a lot younger with more years to give. And he's a huge signing. He's the X-Factor player. Dale Finucane, so two really quality Storm players. And they've got Matt Ikevalu from the Roosters. So very much the same Sharks team, but they've added a couple of players from very good systems, like two players from the Melbourne Storm, highly regarded system, and a player from the Roosters, which is where Craig Fitzgibbons come from. He obviously knows that Matt Ikevalu can kind of help set that standard and yeah, play the way that he wants the Sharks to play. So I think Craig Fitzgibbon, he's put a little bit of his stamp on this side, but mostly it's it's a very similar Sharks side. I just think they're going to be better for having a coach like Craig Fitzgibbon. 
All right, and now it is a game that, unfortunately, the Friday night game, the main narrative isn't there, Adam Reynolds. So it's going to be the Broncos up against the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs losing in last year's grand final. It's oh so close. Devastating result for them. They will be looking to go one better this year. Wayne Bennett has left the club. He's signed on with the Dolphins. So this is Jason Demetrio's time. This is the Demetrio era. And he's a quality coach. He's won titles with the Northern Pride, won the first ever state championship. He's been an, an assistant at the Cowboys when they won the premiership. And he's worked under Wayne Bennett for a while now, serving his apprenticeship. He now steps up to take the reins of the South Sydney club. As for the Broncos, they have signed their marquee man, Adam Reynolds, to help turn them around after literally the worst years in the club's history. So a very torrid time since, funnily enough, Wayne Bennett left. So hopefully it's not the same for the Rabbitohs. Hopefully that's not an ominous kind of sign. But I think Demetrius' quality, and I like Kevin Walters a lot. I hope he keeps the Broncos' job. They've, of course, got Ben Eichen involved now too, which he's a great footy brain. He's... He's different. It's it's a different role now. He doesn't have to put up with Kenty and Buzz screaming over the top of each other. Although, yeah, I don't tune into NRL three hundred and sixty NRL three hundred and sixty anymore. Sorry, I can't even speak. I'm trying to talk shit on Buzz. I can't even fucking speak. Um, but yeah, I did see that the other night they were talking about drones. That was one of their topics, and we tuned on tuned in briefly tonight on mute, and they're talking about like referees under pressure. So yeah. I was like, that's that's me for 360 for the year. I just I don't have time for that shit. It is fucking nonsense. But we might get to the drones bit uh, a little bit later on. Now, back to the game, the Broncos and the Rabbitohs. Adam Reynolds missing is a massive loss. Not only is the storyline kind of gone, but the Broncos were relying on him to be that marquee player, to be that X-factor player, if you will. But still, the Broncos have a very strong side. I'll go through it now. Jermaine Azako at fullback. He, of course, I never hate players for losing my multi or, you know, you never. I never message him. I'm not one of those guys who, like, comments shit in the comment section. But one note I do have, Jermaine Azako badly fucked. A great bet that I had going on that included, it was the same game multi where I picked the first try scorer. So, yeah, to start that off. So I had David Mead scoring. I had the Broncos winning in an upset over the Dragons. And, yeah, there were, there were, like, two specific things. I was actually in New Zealand, and one of them was 17 seconds to go in the first half. Jermaine Azako had the opportunity to bat the ball dead off a kick and literally go to half time. 17 seconds. They don't have enough time for the dropout. And Azako left it, and the Dragons scored. And then he came out at the start of the second half, and he had a shit play the ball, and they lost it. So since then, I've been off Azako at fullback. Brisbane Broncos fans don't even like him at fullback. We like him, of course. Like I'm not saying they don't like him, but they don't rate him as a fullback. Really good winger, but even a great winger and an unbelievably good goal kicker, but not a fullback. And in my opinion, that hurts the Broncos a lot, having him there. But, yeah, he's a talented player. But, yeah, I, the multi still lives in my mind. And, yeah, I don't trust Jermaine Ozarko at fullback anymore, and he's, of course, signed to the Dolphins next year, so interesting. Now, on the wing for the Broncos, Corey Oates has got the position. A lot of talk that he was not going to get it, and maybe Jordan Pereira, who's come over from the Dragons, would get that position, but Corey Oates named on the wing alongside Selwyn Cobbo. He is my one to watch, Selwyn Cobbo. Extremely talented youngster. 
the reason that maybe the Broncos were willing to let Reese Walsh go is that they felt that Cobbo was the long-term fullback. He showed as much last year during the Queensland Cup Grand Final Series, had a phenomenal final series, and Selwyn Cobbo, no doubt my one to watch this year. In the halves, Billy Walters come over from the Tigers to play under his father. An impressive season for Billy. He's been named in the number six. Albert Kelly gets the halfback jersey and a main narrative about, sorry, excuse me, bloody hell, a main narrative about the Broncos season has been who's going to partner Adam Reynolds in the halves. And without Reynolds playing, I think we have our first two options in Billy Walters and Albert Kelly, so they're going to definitely be looking to put their stamp on the side and, yeah, basically make it impossible for KV to drop one of them. One is his son, so that helps. Dad, daddy, daddy, please stop. Okay, um, that was a stop to myself, not really to his dad. That was me telling me to stop myself. So on to the Broncos Ford pack. We have Keenan Palacia. Yeah, I was pretty surprised that he got that starting front row jersey, but he's a quality young player, so huge step up in terms of the team dynamic for him. He's come into one of the most iconic franchises, the Brisbane Broncos, and with Tom Flegler out with suspension, he's taken that spot alongside Payne Haas, who, fucking hell. I mean, how do you stop Payne Haas? He's an incredible player. Also quickly going back to the centres for the Broncos, which I forgot. I got a bit caught up in the whole daddy fiasco. Uh, Herbie Farnworth, who there's been a lot of rumours, a lot of different teams are after him. English Rugby Union, which he'd be eligible to play for England. Uh, the Dolphins, maybe a couple of other NRL teams. So a lot of interest in Herbie Farnworth. And on the other centre position is Katoni Staggs. And he is my one to watch, so I'll just quickly go into that. Uh, Katoni obviously spent pretty much all of last season out with injury. If the same happens here, then I think, or as far as this season goes, then I think that's going to derail all the positive momentum that the Broncos are building. So no doubt, I think when the game is there to be won, especially without Adam Reynolds playing, I'm going to be looking for a bit of Katoni Stagg's magic. He is my X-Factor player. Back to the Ford pack in the back row, Kirk Capewell, a premiership winner, two-time premiership winner. Although I don't know if he was in the Sharks team, best 17 when they won. But Kurt Capewell, an extremely quality player, has played for Origin or played for Queensland, sorry, at Origin level now. He steps up to the Broncos. Kevin Walters has brought him over and that is a huge signing. He is in the right back row position, a huge, huge chance for him. He did play there last season, made some mistakes, but this year he looks better equipped to step up and really take that role. In the number 13 position lock, Patrick Carrigan makes his return. He is a huge part of the Broncos' forward rotation. I cannot wait to see Carrigan back this year. On the bench, Ryan James, former Gold Coast Titan, also a former Raider, moves over from the Raiders this year. And the Broncos highlighted that they needed a couple of experienced heads who won't break the bank. And so Ryan James perfectly fits that bill. He was on the cusp of playing New South Wales Blues Origin before two consecutive ACL injuries. He then signed with the Raiders last year, and Ryan James found himself at the Broncos this year. Reese Kennedy and TC Robati, and very interestingly, Tyrone Roberts in the number 17 for Broncos, which surprised me. He was on a train and trial deal at the start of the year. He won 
the Queensland Cup last year with the North Devils after not being able to find an NRL contract. And he's found one here. He's on the bench for the Broncos. So, yeah, very surprising. But, yeah, good on Tyrone. Great to see him back in the NRL and in Broncos colours. So, yeah, maybe he's a contender for a half spot too. Over to the Rabbitohs, Blake Taff steps into the fullback jersey. No Latrell this weekend. So very interesting. No Latrell, no Adam Reynolds. The, that should make this game a bit of a different one. It would play out differently with both of them on the park. And now both squads are going to have to resort to a bit of a different style to get things done. So Blake Taff at fullback, Alex Johnston on one wing, and Tane Milne has beaten out Josh Mansour for the other wing. Jackson Paulo moves into the centres this year alongside Campbell Graham. Cody Walker, he is my X-Factor player, no doubt. His year last year was kind of just overshadowed by how good Tom Trebojevic was, but Cody Walker undoubtedly the X-Factor player for the Rabbitohs this weekend. Lachlan Elias, who steps into the starting halfback jersey. Adam Reynolds, I think they were willing to let him go because they knew that they had a really quality young kid on their hands. I think Lachlan Elias is going to step up and take, yeah, it's, it's not easy to step into the shoes of Adam Reynolds, but I think Elias is going to leave his own mark and he's going to be a quality number seven to watch for years to come. In the Ford pack for the Rabbitohs, Tevita Totola, Damian Cook, Mark Nichols signed to the Dolphins next year, Keon Kolomatangi who moves over to the right side, Jai Arrow and the captain Cameron Murray. On the bench for South Sydney, Jacob Host, Saliva Havili, Tom Burgess, and Michael Cheekam. And just quickly, my one to watch for the Rabbitohs was their young halfback, Lachlan Ilias. As far as my prediction Sorry, goes... I couldn't quite hear you. <laughs> you Shut up. As far as my prediction goes for this blockbuster Friday night clash, I'm taking the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I could smell an upset, but I think the Rabbitohs should have enough to get it done. I'm interested to see how they get it done. Oh, and if they don't, how do the Broncos get it done? But ultimately, head-to-head, I am taking the South Sydney Rabbitohs. How about yourself, JJ? Who are you going for in this one? Yeah, it could be a danger game for sure. Um, but I'd still believe that the Rabbitohs are one or two classes above the Broncos currently. Um, so I'll take the Rabbitohs. I've got them in a multi with a few other teams. But just before we move on, I'd like to hear... Where you think the Broncos are at? Are they on the upswing? Are they going to hit their stride this year or will it take a couple more years? I think it might take a couple more years, but I they're definitely better off than where they were. And some of the really young talents that were exposed to NRL maybe too early or just not at the right time when Seabold was, you know, the coach and they were just fucked. To be honest, yeah, they're just fucked. So, yeah, now I think those young kids who could have potentially been scarred by that experience, I think now they're hardened first graders, or at least some of them have played enough first grade now. And it's going to be a really interesting test for them because they are kind of hitting that stage where it's like, okay, how do you respond? And I've heard them talking top eight's the goal this year. So they feel that the upswing is happening in a major way and they, they think they can see results this year. So... They are a huge club. They expect to be in premiership contention every year. So I don't think it'll take too long, but we didn't. The last couple of years, last year was pretty good under Kevin Walters, but the last few years, comparatively to what everyone's always known the Broncos as, have been really, really bad. So hard to come back from that, but I think eventually the Broncos will. But I, I don't know if this year, I don't think, I don't have them making the eight. I've got them in 12th position. 
So slightly better, but I still think they're going to run into some challenges along the way. So that's why I've gone the Rabbitohs. I think they'll be too good. But as I said, I think an upset isn't out of the question, but I'm not going to go against the Rabbitohs. I think they'll be burning too much after losing the grand final last year. And I think that's going to give them a lot of extra motivation and fuel to do some special things this season. All right, jumping into the Saturday games now. First up, we got the Roosters versus the Knights from the SCG. Yeah, very interesting game to open Super Saturday. It's a shame I'll be at this uh, festive business trip uh, because, yeah, I'll be conducting business, but unfortunately I will not be able to watch the game. So the Roosters and the Knights on paper looks like it's going to be one of the most one-sided games of the weekend, but... That's where it's a great test for the Knights. It's a great one for them to say, well, what team do we want to be this year? And it's like, oh, we've got the Roosters round one. Is it hard? Yeah, but like, what if you win? What a statement of intent. So a huge game for the Knights. I have them coming in 13th. I have them being like the biggest drop droppers of this season. So yeah, they'll be out to prove me wrong. The rumor is that the coach has said, all right, boys, he played my podcast and he said that this, this guy has you 13th, and the boys were mad. They were like, oh, what the fuck? So, yep, that is it. The boys are fired up. They can thank me for my Preview Predictions podcast because I still have them in 13th, boys. I know you guys are listening, so, yeah, I still got you guys in 13th, so fucking prove me wrong. Knights up against the Roosters, checking their team lists now. We've got the captain, Kellen Ponga, for the Knights, taking on that role. Daniel Saifidi out, which is a big out for them as well, just a quick side note. On the wings, Inari Tuala and Dominic Young, quality young English player that they had very high raps on in England, thought he was going to be a very special talent, so much so that that caught the attention of the Newcastle Knights, who brought him over to the NRL. Last year, to be honest, he didn't look up to it, and he's still very young. It's one of those things where he's going to grow into his body and be an incredible player. Maybe this season, well, he's been named start on the wing, Dominic Young, but I'm still yet to see. He has potential to be a total game breaker. I just think maybe he's another year or two off in terms of development. In the centers for the Knights, Bradman Best, unbelievable name. And yeah, unbelievable player. And Dane Gagai returning to the club. He was there during their really, I guess you'd call it, I don't know, shit era is pretty harsh. Uh, the post-Wayne Bennett era, kind of having to filter out, you know, dealing with the Nathan Tinkler fallout, having to get rid of like an aging roster or fix an aging roster and then basically just play a lot of under-20s players for a while. And so they had to expose, like the Broncos, had to expose a lot of young players to first grade maybe a little bit too early. And Dane Gagai now returns to a club that is in a much better state, which is why I have them in 13th. Nah. But, yeah, they're in a much better state than they were. And as I said, I know you boys are listening. Dane Gagai, I know you're listening. Prove me wrong. In the halves, Jake Clifford and Adam Clune could be one of the underrated halves pairings of the year. Adam Clune, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people. He's pretty quick and he's a great playmaker. And Jake Clifford, no doubt, he's the long-term number six for me or number seven. He can play both positions. But I was hoping it was going to be Jake Clifford and Mitchell Pearce, but... I don't support the Knights, so like I don't really give a shit. I'm like, whatever, not my team. But Adam Clune is a great signing. I think he'll be one of the underrated signings. And I think this is one of the underrated halves pairings of the comp. I've actually put Jake Clifford in as one of my starting halves in Supercoach. So I think he's going to have a cracking year. 
it was draft, so obviously it wasn't like my first pick, but he's going to be kicking goals as well. I think Jake Clifford is in for a big year. For the Fords for the Knights, David Clemmer, Chris Randall. So Jaden Braley obviously out for the season, or at least the majority of. Chris Randall gets his shot. He absolutely deserves it. I'm a massive fan of Chris Randall. Front row, David Clemmer, Jacob Saifidi. In the back row, Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Tyson Frizzell. And at lock forward, Kurt Mann. Seen him play a variety of positions. Now he gets the chance to replace Connor Watson as the team's lock forward. And he, they look like they're playing a lot of their attack through him. He's been the first receiver on a number of occasions through the trials. So it's almost as though they're playing three halves. On the bench for the Knights, Phoenix Crossland, a young halfback. Talk that he may be playing the similar role to Kurt Mann and playing off the bench as a lock forward. Mitchell Barnett starts off the bench for the season. Leo Thompson making his NRL debut. A young rugby union player turned league player. Spent a couple of years at the Canberra Raiders, but now the very interesting prospect makes his debut and he looks like a quality prop. I think we'll see a fair bit of him this year. And number 17 for the Knights, Jara Moimoisea. He is another very good young back rower and I think we'll see plenty of him as well. So... As far as the Knights, my one to watch was Leo Thompson making his debut, number 16. I think we'll see a lot more of him this year. And my X-Factor player, how could it be anyone else but Callan Ponga? If he reaches the heights that is kind of expected of him, which it's almost impossible, like with the media and the fans, even myself, like what everyone expects this kid to be able to do week in, week out. And he gets, yeah, he gets paid the big bucks like he's expected, but I'm like, you know, I was like, if people are expecting him to fucking step like five guys and run under the post and like do all this crazy shit. There are things that Callan needs to fix about his game. But yeah, he is no doubt their X Factor player. And if he can fix those things and he can continue to improve on the skills he already has, then the Knights, they can make the top eight. No doubt. I know you're listening, Callan. Prove me wrong. You're my X Factor player, brother. Moving on to the Sydney Roosters, who they're too high up on the ladder. They're not listening. No way. Uh, we've got James Tedesco at fullback, the captain, incredible player. He's a very good Roosters side. Paul Momorowski on the wing, pairing with Daniel Tupo. Momorowski coming over from the Panthers. He was a premiership winner with them last year, played in their grand final team, and that was 2021. What was this, 2020? Well, he was part of the Storm squad. He didn't play in the grand final, but he got to celebrate the grand final win, so Momorowski probably still feeling the hangover, but... Fucking great couple of years for him. He now returns to the Roosters, which is actually where he started his career. Played under-20s with the likes of Joseph Manu, who is in the centres alongside him on that right side. In the left centre position, a lot of names that were in contention. I saw Kevin Naguama was in contention for a backline spot. Uh, Who else was there? Fucking Adam Kieran could have filled in that spot. I think there's someone else that is escaping me from memory. And then, of course, they have Joseph Suwali, but... It's been Billy Smith, the youngster, who's been given the shot. I rate it. He can kick goals. They've wanted him there for the last couple of years. When they let Luttrell leave to the Rabbitohs, that was because they felt that Billy Smith could fill that hole. Well, not Luttrell's hole, by the way. (laughs) We can cut that a little bit. Uh, But um, Billy Smith gets the opportunity. I think he's going to have a cracking season. He is my one to watch for the Roosters. If he can stay injury-free, then the sky is the limit for Billy Smith. 
in the halves for the first time, combining for the Roosters, Sam Walker at number six, Luke Carey at number seven. Luke Carey is my X-Factor player for the Roosters. I think if they're going to have a tremendous season, which season prediction comparison, Knights 13th, Roosters Premiers. I have the Roosters as my Premiers. I think the Storm are up there, Panthers are up there, but I've gone with the Roosters this year and I really like Sam Walker and the X-Factor player Luke Carey in the halves. Roosters forwards, Jared Waria Hargreaves in the front row alongside Lindsay Collins making his return from injury. At dummy half, no Sam Verrill, so Connor Watson stepping up to face his old team. He's come back to his old team as well. He started at the Roosters, moved over to the Knights. He is now back at the Roosters. Connor Watson in the number nine jersey up against his best mate, Callum Ponga. Lindsay Collins, of course, I mentioned him. Angus Crichton, the most organic man in the NRL. And Satili Tupaniua in the back row. Victor Radley at lock. What a larrikin. What a phenomenal player Victor Radley is. On the bench for the Roosters, Drew Hutchison, Fletcher Baker, Nat Butcher, and Sio Tokiaho. So two pretty interesting squads there. As for which way it goes, look, I have the Roosters as my premiers. I have the Knights in 13th. And yeah, I guess the prediction's got to follow that same kind of trend as far as I go. So I'm going to stick with the Roosters in this one. I think the Knights can pull a pretty good game out of them, but ultimately if Luke Carey stays on that field for 80 minutes, I think the creativity between himself, Walker, Tedesco, Joey Marnie, the list could go on with some of those names out there. I think the Roosters will be too good. Hopefully the Knights can put up a great showing, but ultimately head-to-head, I am taking the Sydney Roosters. How about yourself, JJ? Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. It looks like Roosters are a class above. And um, this season, I'm a little bit down on the Knights just with a few of the departures. And I'm not super hyped with a few of their ins. A lot riding on Kalen Ponga, as you kind of touched on. So in this one, though, the Roosters for sure. All right, up next... Now, as I said, I'm going on a business trip this weekend. Probably not going to have phone reception, but fucking hell, if I do and I'm in my right mind at 5.30 p.m., I will be tuning in. I will be streaming my team, the New Zealand Warriors, up against the Dragons, who are one of the dark horses to have a very great year this year. Love some of the young blokes they've included. Now, in my season previews, I had Dragons in 11th, but I did say like anywhere from 11th, onwards can make the eight. Like, I truly believe the Dragons can make the eight. Look, there were reasons. I just go, if you fucking want to know, just go listen to the Dragons season preview, yeah? Sorry, that was a bit uh, aggressive for me. Anyway, the home team, but haven't played a game in home, at home for fucking like three years. The Warriors, my team. I'm so keen to see them play at Sunshine Coast Stadium. And if I don't get to see it live, then no doubt I've done it before. Come back from the business trip, the game, used to have to record it, now I just have KO. Come back, there will be no Facebook. I don't give a fuck, I've, I've been away for four days, no reception. I'm not opening Facebook, I'm not opening Instagram, I'm not opening any of that shit. Definitely not opening my bank account. Uh, so, yeah, the first thing I'm doing, I'm going to, maybe even in the car home, I don't know. Sometimes the way home's pretty jovial. Anyway. I will be checking out the Warriors game. I will have it on KO. I'm not fucking opening a single bit of social media. I'm not getting any text. I'm not receiving any of that shit until I can sit down, spoiler free, 
and watch the Warriors. It is going to be so good. I predicted them in fifth for my season preview. Is that biased? No. What are you talking about? What Biased? What does that mean? Uh, so, yeah. Not biased, but yes, yeah, it is. If if they weren't my team, I wouldn't have put them in fifth. I wouldn't have put them in the top eight, but I did. I'm going to be backing my team. I'm all in on the Warriors this year. I was, I was like, oh, do I have them in ninth, tenth? And then I was like, I'm going to have them fucking fifth. So I did. Warriors in fifth, but Dragons, if there's a team that could, if the Warriors come 11th, the Dragons could be the team that come fifth, no doubt. So it's going to be a great matchup. I will jump into the teams. This time I'm going to start with the ones to watch and X-Factor player. And my one to watch for the Dragons, he was my one to watch in their season preview. That is Tyrell Sloan. As I said in the season preview, he was the one I wanted to see get that fullback jersey. Well, he has. Cody Ramsey is going to start the season on the wing. Sloan is my X-Factor player long term. He is absolutely the Dragons fullback. I can't wait to see what he has to offer, but I hope he has a fucking shocker this weekend. No doubt. Sorry, Sloan. One of my favorite players, also on my super coach team. I've brought him in, really keen on him. But uh, yeah, as far as super coach goes, I don't care if he has a shocker this weekend. Hopefully, the Warriors. I don't know. I won't say tell. I respect the Dragons. I've always enjoyed them as a team, and I, I really hope they go well. I'll be cheering them on in a few games, but yeah, again, not this one. Sorry, Dragons fans. As for my X Factor player for the Dragons, I've gone with Jack Bird. He was my X Factor player in the season preview as well. And yeah, I just think Jack Bird is a really interesting one that adds a lot of versatility to their lineup. They are starting him in the back row instead of the centers, which I think is where he's best off. And yeah, I'm really interested to see what Jack Bird does. Huge fan of the halves combination as well. I think both of them are X-Factor players, but I've gone Jack Bird. I think he's a real point of difference for St. George. As for the Warriors, the one to watch, Viliami Vilea. Quality young center, only like 18 or 19. I'm very excited to see him in Warriors colors this weekend, making his third appearance in the NRL. This time he's looking to nail down that spot. Full-time, Viliami Vilea, my Warriors one to watch. As for my X-Factor player, Sean Johnson. Did I mention Sean Johnson coming back to the Warriors? Again, I could spend plenty of time talking about this, but I did all my season previews. So, yeah, I've done a lot of talking about these things. So if you want to know a little bit about any of these teams, a little bit more in-depth, I've gone through every team except the Panthers and the Storm are still upcoming. They will be out before the end of this week, before my business trip. So, yeah, you can check them out if you want to do that. If you don't, whatever, let's move on. Team lists. Uh, for the Warriors, we have Chanel Harris-Tavita at fullback. A natural half has never played fullback at NRL level. A bit of an interesting risk, especially Cody Nicarima's played fullback before. So has Dallin Wateni zelezniak as captain New Zealand at fullback. Uh, Rocco Berry as well has trained at fullback, but it looks like they want to establish him as a center. So Chanel Harris-Tavita, very interesting call. In terms of like when I'm as a Warriors fan, things when I look at the team list where I'm like, oh, that could be a bit of trouble. Is Chanel Harris-Tavita at fullback? I'm like, uh, it's, yeah, I get super pumped for the Warriors season, but then from like preseason, it's like, oh, we're playing our halfback at fullback. Okay, like, you know, it's not not the exact way. We'll get Reese Walsh back like ASAP anyway. But yeah, it's not like the ultimate 
great omen when you're heading into the season with your halfback at fullback. That's a bit like, uh. And yeah, so really interesting. I thought Chanel Harris-DeVita would be in the starting halves frame, but they've gone with Cody Nicarima alongside Sean Johnson. I said Cody Nicarima needed to run the line more. He did that a bit more in the All-Stars game at the start of the year, scored a try. He's obviously shown that he's the best man at this stage to partner Sean Johnson. Ash Taylor, obviously an option as well. But they've gone Cody Nicarima, and as far as your JJ Ben Hunt's heroes about redemption arcs, and as far as how last year kind of the Ben Hunt talk kind of spurred him on to a great season, I think maybe my uh, little spiel about Nicarima not running the ball enough, and if he wants to be the half, then he needs to run, otherwise he can play off the bench. I think we may see that redemption arc. I think maybe Nicarima is going to do exactly that. Sean Johnson can be the organizing halfback, and that can allow Nicarima to run the ball more. So hopefully that's what we get to see. That's what I want to see if Nicarima is going to be our half over the rest of the year. In the centers, we have Rocco Berry and Villiame Vailer. Correct me if I'm wrong, other than maybe the Raiders, that might be one of the youngest and most inexperienced center pairings in round one of any team. But I'm really excited to see a little glimpse into the long-term future of the Warriors. Rocco Berry at left center, Viliami Vailer, I think will be playing on the right center. As for the wingers, Delon Watini Zelezniak and Marcelo Montoya, who's been playing really well through the trials. He's owning that position. He's got some good talent kind of breathing down his neck. Junior Ratuva is one of those talents. Halves, Nikarima Johnson, as I mentioned. In the front row, no Matt Lodge, but we do have one of my favorite warriors, Bunty Afoa. Uh, now, I know being an elite front rower in the NRL, it's, yeah, there are different things. Not everyone can run super hard and super flat out, and not many people do all the time, but Bunty does. That's why he's my favorite warrior or one of. And yeah, sometimes he drops the ball, whatever. But like, you're bound to drop the ball sometimes if you run that fucking hard every time. And so I love it. I'm like, I'm so all for a team, having a guy on the team that just runs full 100% at the opposition every single time. Bunty starts in the front row alongside the captain, Adin Fanua Blake. Tohu Harris, of course, the actual captain being named this year, but he's starting the season injured. Adam Fanua Blake, our marquee prop, he is the captain. At dummy half, Wade Egan. Ewan Aitken in the back row, so they're going to stick with that experiment. He can play the 80 minutes. Obviously, center was his first position or first preference, but he now finds himself in the back row up against his former team in the Dragons. Alessia Katoa starts in the back row as well. Katoa, an extremely bright prospect. Didn't play a lot of first grade or, you know, he didn't kick on as much as I would have hoped last year, but he's done enough to get himself the starting second row jersey. So that means a lot to me, not personally, but I guess, yeah, personally, I'm like, good on you, man, for fucking doing it because he looks like he's going to be an absolute star. And Katoa, definitely one to keep an eye on. He wasn't my one to watch, but there's another one to watch. Josh Curran starts at lock forward. He was our best towards the end of last year. Huge fan of Josh Curran, just saw that he re-signed with the club. And on the bench for the Warriors, Jazz Tavaga, the big man, Ben Murdoch Masilla, very keen to see him in action. Aaron Penne signed from the Melbourne Storm, very happy with that signing. And Bailey Sirenin, so that's the Warriors side. As for the Dragons, Terrell Sloan at fullback. On the wings, Cody Ramsey and Michaeli Ravalawa. 
in the centre is Zach Lomax, who missed quite a bit of football last year. He will be in calculations for a spot in the origin side. Obviously, Tommy Turbo would be their first choice at right centre, but Zach Lomax, he's there or thereabouts. He's still got a bit of work to do. Probably not in the top three right now, but if the Dragons can go really well, then he'll definitely put himself forward. Partnering him in the centres is Moses Suli. Huge signing coming over from the Seagulls. Was rated as one of the best young backline talents in the game when he was emerging. Was given a very early debut. I think he was only just 18 when he debuted for the West Tigers. Obviously, things didn't work out there. He was at the Bulldogs for maybe like one week. Things definitely didn't work out there. He got his career on track at the Seagulls to the point when he is now a marquee name heading over to the Dragons. In the halves, Ben Hunt, the captain. He's on JJ's Supercoach team. He's your captain. And Talatau Amone, obviously Jaden Sullivan competing for that 5'8 spot, but he's injured. I rate Talatau Amone highly. I've said in the podcast, I think the Dragons are going to be potentially as similar to like the Panthers, like an emerging powerhouse that kind of takes people by surprise. I think the young halves, Talatau Amone and Jaden Sullivan are a huge part of that, as is Tyrrell Sloan and a couple of other guys on the books like the Guy twins. In the forwards for the Dragons, Blake Laurie. Andrew McCulloch, Aaron Woods, new signing, Jack Bird, Jaden Sewer, another new signing coming over from the Rabbitohs, and Jack DeBellin, who a lot of clouds been hanging over the club for the last few years. And Jack DeBellin now, he's playing, he's there in the number 13, he's reclaimed that 13 jersey. As for the Dragons bench, Moses Embai, a very interesting signing, came to see how they use him. Moses Zembai, number 14. Francis Molo, another new signing in number 15 jersey. Josh Kerr and Jack Gajewski coming over from the Seagulls. So three new players on the bench and a bit of a new feel in general to the team. So very interested to see how the Dragons go this weekend. Both sides are at $1.90 on the betting market, so the punters can't split them. I've heard more support for the Dragons, but it's pretty obvious which way I'm going to go for my prediction. I'm going to go for the Warriors. Why? Because they're my team and I'm pumped. It's round one. Do I think the Dragons probably going to win? Yeah, probably. There's a huge chance the Dragons are going to make me look silly here. But you know what? I do a perfectly fine job of that myself and I am going to go the Warriors. It's our year, baby. How about yourself, JJ? Which way are you going? Look, after looking at like like kind of anal- uh, the analysis and the head wants to go with the dragons, but there's something about this game, which I think about a lot is the the pace of play, which I've mentioned to you before. And although these dragons actually look probably a little bit quicker than they have historically. Significantly quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking through the names. Like there's a lot of f- quick guys, but st- something about it. I just think the warriors will might pip them here. Maybe the forwards. No, we're missing a couple of key players like Reese Walsh and Matt Lodge, but this, I don't know. I think it's because I support them. I'm definitely looking through it. Mm. From, um, yeah, I guess my question sense, w- But I, I definitely feel similar. I'm like, I think we've still got the guys and mm. they're definitely a team that can beat the Dragons on paper. Mm. Yeah, I guess my question would be the forward pack with the Dragons. There's a lot of new names, different Moving parts, Bird, you know, we've seen. Tarek Sims as well, who mm. has been the Dragons back row for a long time now. Played Origin last year. Represented New South Wales Blues in Origin last year. 
Mm-hmm. And Anthony Griffin has opted not to use him. He's put Jack Bird there and Jaden Sewer, and he hasn't even put Sims on the bench. So, yeah, mm. very different forward pack it's kind an, of feel to it here. It's an interesting one. So, yeah, just something about it um, makes me want to go to the Warriors. It'll be a close game. Should be an exciting one, but hopefully yeah, for you they get up. It's the one game I'll definitely watch him for coming back from the business trip. I'm yeah. very excited. But do, do you think your forward pack can kind of do do the hard yards? Like Yeah, yeah, win? definitely. I think Adam Fanua Blake, he's the one that immediately comes to mind when I think of like the Ford battle. I'm like... Who can cause the Dragons some real issues? Adam Fanua Blake. I believe he was a Dragons junior. I think he played his junior football at the Dragons. Someone fact check me on that if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. So he may know a couple of boys in that opposition lineup. Adam Fanua Blake is a point of difference. Katoa could be a real point of difference. Uh, Josh Curran, I was hugely impressed with him last season. But, yeah, it should be a really interesting game. Ford Pack-wise, the one that really I can envision or visualize causing them headaches is Adam Fanua Blake with, like, his offloading and tackle busting. And, yeah, I think ultimately, like, with some Fords on the bench as well, Jazz Tafanga, Bailey Surinan, Aaron Penne coming over from the Storm, and we have a really, really big bopper, big unit of a man, strong, fast, likes to play on an edge as well, so he's usually running at smaller back rowers. That's Ben Murdoch-Masilla. I think he's going to be a massive point of difference coming off the bench. The Dragons' forwards will start to tire a little bit and halves will start to tire a little bit as the game goes on and then they'll bring the big man on. I think Ben Murdoch-Masilla, he's another point of difference. But yeah, it should that should be where the match is decided, definitely in the forward pack. Whoever's team can kind of assert their dominance physically. So should be a great game, one of the games of the weekend. And yeah, Definitely a battle of the Ford packs this weekend. So the Warriors will be missing Matthew Lodge, but the Dragons have dropped Tarek Sims. So a couple of, yeah, interesting names not playing in this one. Mm. Yeah, as far as betting, it's a stay away from me for that one, but I'll, I will be watching. That will be a good contest. It's a Warriors for me. <laughs> but next up, uh, primetime Saturday night, we got the Tigers taking on the Storm. Mm, what do you think about this one, Mick? I don't know the exact record. I don't think the Storm have ever lost in round one under Craig Bellamy. I believe that that sounds like a stat that I've heard, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a stat. I just don't know the exact year that it um, began. But yeah, the the Storm this season, it looks like, could be in jeopardy, like the most jeopardy it's been in for a while, except they're playing the Tigers. So the Tigers I predicted to come last. But let me just quickly say, I predicted the Tigers to come last. I predicted the Roosters to win the Premiership in the trials with like pretty close to full strength teams. The Tigers beat the Roosters, so what the fuck do I know? But again, the trials literally don't mean anything. It's like a physical, yeah, the war of attrition isn't there. They've got like a bench of like 20 blokes. So trials are very different, but the Tigers, this could be a huge chance for them. To score a win, like, they really need this. Round one is a very important time. And there's no club right now in the NRL that has a poorer perception around them than the Tigers. So if they come out and beat the Storm in round one, immediately people start to get excited about the Tigers. You watch, like, if they win this one game, I could watch Fox like Fox Sports and put together, like, six or seven hours worth of, yeah, Especially James Hooper's a Tigers supporter. So, yeah, like even James Hooper alone would feel like four hours. But at the moment, he's more of like the riding, you know, 
why 10 reasons Madge is under pressure. Under pressure. I'm like, dude, they're your fucking team. Just chill out. Stop trying to get the coach fired, bro. But yeah, if the Tigers do win, all of a sudden people lose their shit. They forget. They forget pretty quickly and they'll start talking them up. So very interesting game for the Tigers. For the Storm, they're missing Cameron Munster. They're missing Harry Grant. They were supposed to be missing Brandon Smith, but he's now going to be playing. They are going to be losing Felice Cafusi. They're going to be losing the Bromwich brothers to the Dolphins next year. So ultimately, yeah, very interesting team list. They've had to bring some other guys in. And yeah, I'm very excited to see how the Storm play, having a look at their team list. One interesting note, Nick Meany coming over from the Bulldogs, a fullback slash winger. He's been named at 5'8 to replace Cameron Munster. Now, Ryan Pappenhausen is at fullback. He's had some injury clouds over him. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jaden Nikarima get promoted from the bench to play 5'8 and we see Nick Meany start at fullback and Pappenhausen doesn't play. That is what I think might happen. But if Nick Meany plays at number six, that'll be a very, very interesting kind of positional gamble. I'd be quite curious to see how he goes there. So for the Storms, teamless, this is what they've put down. Pappenhausen in the number one. On the wings, George Jennings and Xavier Coates coming over from the Broncos. This is a huge signing. Yeah, reminds me a lot of Israel Folau and just a quality athletic player. The last three left wingers they've had are unbelievable. Like they have the perfect kind of vision to select their wingers. They had Marika Korobetti, and then once he was leaving to Union, they're like, oh, we'll get Josh Adokar. Once Josh Adokar's leaving, they're like, oh, we'll just go get Xavier Coates. So another quality signing from the Storm. They just they, they don't sign marquee players. They just know how to bring in the right guys. Xavier Coates is like only a couple of years away from being 100% a marquee player. So they've signed him at the perfect time. In the centers, Remus Smith and Justin Olam. Great center pairing, one of the best in the game. In the halves, Nick Meany, Jerome Hughes. Front row, the co-captains, Jesse Bromwich and Christian Welch. The hectic cheese, Brandon Smith takes the number nine jersey with Harry Grant out for round one. In the back row, Felice Cafusi shaving his head for extra aerodynamic ability. Man looks good, got some serious Vin Diesel energy about him. Michael Jordan in his prime. The Rock, now Felice Cafusi. He'll be part in the back row by Kenny Bromwich. And the new recruit from the Newcastle Knights, Josh King, starts in the number 13 jersey. As for the Storm's bench, Tyron Wishart, quality young kid, came over from the Dragons system. Wasn't in their top 30, I don't believe, but now he's in the Storm's top 30 and he's in the number 14 jersey. Tyron Wishart, definitely one to keep an eye on. Jaden Nicarima in the number 15. Trent Loyero, who played for my junior club, the Kiwana Dolphins, didn't play for the Kiwana Dolphins B grade side, though. Uh, he didn't, so unfortunately we never got a chance to brush shoulders. Uh, but yeah, what could have been? That could have been me in the number 16 jersey for the Melbourne Storm if they had a B side. Now, Nelson Alsofa Solomone, he takes up that number 17 position. Obviously, there was kind of the thing around his vaccination I don't know whether he's been vaccinated. It's, honestly, it's like whatever. For me, it's not, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know the information. I don't really need to look into it. It's just like, fuck, okay, he's playing. It was more just, I was curious whether we were going to see players get banned. I was curious whether JJ was going to drop his charger during my spiel. Uh, but yeah, 
ultimately, Nelson Sofa Solomona has has got the position number seventeen. So yeah, good to see the big man playing, and they've obviously worked something out. So yeah, good for them. In terms of my X Factor player for the Storm, I've gone Ryan Pappenhausen. If he does play, he is a huge key to them pushing for the Premiership this year. And I think once Cameron Munster's back, Munster and Pappenhausen, both of them, like one of them could be in for a Deli M season. It's just like they have to share points with each other. But I think like that spine, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster and Ryan Pappenhausen, that has Premiership written all over it. And I think they will definitely be right up there again this season. Obviously every year this talk, are the Storm going to drop off? I don't think this year is going to be that year. They were too damn good last year. They missed out in devastating fashion in the preliminary final. They're going to be looking to go a lot better this year. So, yeah, do not write the Storm off. At this point, I think we know not to write the Melbourne Storm off or do it at your own peril. James Hooper, Mr. Fucking 25 Reasons to Hate the Storm. Get a fucking grip, honestly. Uh, Today is not the day for James Hooper tangents be here. Like... Grow up. Who the fuck does, you know? Like 25, yeah. It's stupid. 25 reasons? Fucking hell. It's like, yep. Anyway, I'm going to move on before I get too angry. So we move on to the West Tigers squad. Oh, quickly, I said uh, Pappenhausen X Factor player. My one to watch for the Storm was Josh King in that number 13 jersey. I think he's going to step up and take on a lot of extra responsibility with some of the big boys leaving next year. On to the Tigers, Dane Laurie returns from injury at fullback. On the wings, former Warrior Ken Malmalo and David Nofaluma, nearly said Fusatua. In the centres, Oliver Gildart coming over from the Wigan Warriors, an English international, a premiership winner over in the Super League. Very, very quality player. He now gets his chance to show that he is up to NRL standard. I think he will be. And partnering him in the centres, James Roberts. Very, very interesting one. We haven't seen Jimmy the Jet at his best for a little while now. Uh, have we seen anyone at their best for the Tigers? No. But, yeah, Jimmy Roberts, definitely an interesting one. I'll be keeping an eye on him. Best of luck to him too because what an exciting player when he is on. In the halves, another player coming over from the Super League, Jackson Hastings, formerly had been talked up as the next big thing, this amazing half. Started at the Dragons, worked his way to the Roosters. Then the Seagulls, there was the thing with Daly Cherry Evans. Was it at the Strip? I don't know if strippers were involved. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, Google it because maybe. I think there may have been strippers involved. Uh, yeah, but yeah, again, don't quote me on it. Allegedly, strippers involved. But yet Jackson Hastings had kind of, yeah, a bad attitude, his own words. Went over to the Super League, won the Man of Steel, took Salford to a grand final, who's Salford are not a grand final team in the Super League. Like, they never have been. And they got together a nice enough run to get all the way there. He then signed with the Wigan Warriors. Now Hastings returns, much more mature and better player. And it does show you, like, putting pressure on these young halves at an early age can really fuck them up, which is the perfect segue for Luke Brooks. Number seven for the West Tigers. The next Andrew Johns, according to the papers, like when he was playing under 20s. And yeah, I I feel very, very sorry for Luke Brooks. I'm sure, yeah, he tries hard out. I bet you put him in the fucking storm, killed it or would kill it. 
And I'm very interested to keep tabs on Benji Marshall's prediction of Luke Brooks for Dellium <laughs> halfback of the year. Uh, yeah, the first thing we've said that has made us both laugh. So, yeah, that's where it's at. And, I've, yeah, again, best of luck. I hope he proves me wrong. I feel really sorry for Brooksy. I want to see him do well. If he wins the Dellium halfback, awesome. If I get, like, a Victoria's Secret girlfriend in the next month, awesome. These things can happen. Like, but, yeah, that's the best comparison I could fucking give. Luke Brooks, one of the Tigers' five captains. So, yeah, work that one out. Who addresses the team at halftime? Fucking hell. Need, like, some kind of stick or something to pass around, like, you know, the community. I don't know what exactly what it's called. The yeah, speaking talking stick, stick, talking stick, yeah. yeah. They're going to need one of those. Like, five captains. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw the meme as well. I don't know if you've seen this meme, JJ. They had a... Uh, for the launch, they did like an NRL launch and they cut a lot of the funding. They cut like all the funding to donate to the floods, like flood affected junior clubs or country clubs, things like that. And so they did like a real low key, just all 16 captains, black background, like no background or anything, just all 16 captains. And someone photoshopped the other four Tigers captains. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm happy to take a moment to just be like, what the fuck? So it says Luke Brooks is the captain for this one, but they've got five of them. It's like I find it hard enough, you know, the mum-dad dynamic or dad-mum, I mean mum-mum, dad-dad, whatever you fucking have dynamic. But like, yeah, I'm like fucking hell, Who do, you know. If mum says something and dad says something, I'm like, who do I listen to? You have fucking five mums and dads. Like what the fuck? Who the fuck do you listen to? One of them, with the greatest respect, he came from my team, the Warriors, Ken Mamalo, left winger. Fucking, what captaincy are you going to do out on the left wing, for goodness sake? Yeah, he makes tough carries, but it's like, he's the captain of the Tigers? He was at the fucking Warriors this time last season. So, yeah, that really does boggle me. Five captains. Uh, yeah, it's just rogue. It's who do you listen to? And, yeah, who's... Who's the captain? Who the fuck is the captain? Who's not the fucking captain? I was like, which one of these blokes isn't the captain? And is that a slight on them? Like, what do you, what do you got to do to make the fucking captaincy of the Tigers? Not much. And they do say captaincy is like a very good honor. Do you think? Do you reckon you'd be like feel honored if you were one of five captains? Like, do you think I would feel special? I'd rather you just have. Yeah, the, the more <laughs> captains there cap- are, the less it is worth. I'm like a three captain limit. Like yeah. once you're like four captains, I'm like, this is like an addiction. You have yeah, that just like makes me laugh because it just screams like bad back end, you know, management or yeah. something, something funky. That just and makes it's me like laugh. The tie- it's like yeah, it's not like the Melbourne Storm have named the yeah. fucking like five man leadership group. It's like, oh, the Tigers. I guess yeah. like in the off season, like laughing, it's like, oh God, what silly shit are the Tigers <laughs> going to do next? Michael Maguire is rubbing his hands together. He's like, it's a good one. He's like, you know, fucking I think five when, captains. Once you hit five captains, you might as well just make everyone a captain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's, that's what a bit wacky. So yeah, very interesting. Very rogue. I'm going to move on. My mind is, Boggled. Five captains, let that sink in. What the fuck? This is NRL, people, fuck's sake. Anyway, in the Fords, Alex Twal looking for the first try of his career. Senior player at the Tigers, been there for a while. Not one of their five captains. 
There's some gossip. What's going on there? Now anyone who's played more than 100 games for the Tigers that isn't the captain, I am immediately like, oh, they're going to get dropped. Jake Simkin at number nine. Obviously, Jacob Little injured to start the year. Jake Simkin at the number nine or in the number nine jersey. Not a captain. Stefano Otekamanu, prop, also not a captain. Oh, a couple of these. Yeah, there we go. Oh, quick note. One of their captains, Tyrone Peachy, is playing off the bench. So we've got one of their captains as left winger. One of their captains is injured for half the season. One of their captains is off the bench. One of their captains is Luke Brooks, Dally M halfback of the year, quote, Benji Marshall. He fucking knows more than I do. He's played, he's like an iconic figure. I'm just here talking absolute shit. But still, I feel like I've got grounds to say this is fucking stupid. We're all thinking it. This is fucking stupid as. So yeah, one of their captains playing off the bench. Kelma Tuilangi playing in the back row. I heard the Seagulls were going to sign him. Luciano Leilua, the Cowboys have already signed him for next year. Welcome to the NRL, people. Haven't even kicked off round one. We've got like over 10 players who are already signed elsewhere for next season. Give it a couple of weeks and they'll start fucking trading jerseys this season. So, yeah, it should be rogue, but sometimes it's good. So, you know, Warriors, like, oh, fuck, we got Matt Lodge now? Cool. <laughs> Last week he was at the Broncos. Sweet. Anyway, back to the Tigers team. Joe Offengawi at lock and on the bench, their captain, Tyrone Peachy. For fuck's sake. Great signing, but like, for fuck's sake. That's when you know. I feel all right about Tigers last for my prediction. I'm like, at least, yeah, I think the Knights will be big droppers, but at least they've been like, okay, Kellen Ponga, you're our captain. We've got one, yeah. He's not playing off the bench, for fuck's sake. What was Peachy supposed to, you know, rally the other three guys on the bench and give them like a pep talk? Anyway, Luke Garnett, Zane Musgrove and Alex Seyfarth join Tyrone Peachy on the bench. If there's anything I can take from that. Look, I'll do the X-Factor player and thing quickly, but the main X-Factor fucking, the X-Factor is the five captains and not in a good way. The shit factor. So it's with the great again with the greatest respect. All these guys, much respect. Great players of our game. Just I think five captains is like the stupidest shit ever. X Factor players for or X Factor player, my apologies, for the Tigers, Jackson Hastings. Huge, huge return to the NRL. I've got him down as my X Factor player. As for my one to watch for the Tigers. Like I'm trying to work out which one of these young emerging players isn't the fucking captain. Uh, my one to watch, I've got an Oliver Gildart coming over from the Super League. He's not a young emerging player. He's not the captain either, but I think he's going to have a point to prove that he is definitely up to NRL standards. So Oliver Gildart, my one to watch for the Melbourne Storm. I believe I already did that. And they only have two captains. So very sensible approach. And for that reason, I'm going Melbourne Storm over the West Tigers. Could the West Tigers beat the Storm and ruin that round one streak? Without Cameron Munster, Harry Grant, a couple of others, definitely possible. Uh, but any chance of me going the upset was totally kiboshed by the five captains. And any chance of me switching my prediction from Tigers 16th uh, since the five captains, again, I'm going to leave them at 16th. And I'm sure they won't come 16th, but fuck me. From five captains tells me they ain't going to make the top eight either, so I'm really sorry, Tigers fans. Am I sorry for talking shit about your team here? 
Not really. I, I feel for you as a Warriors fan. I'm more sorry that you guys have five captains. Like, I'm sorry. We, uh, my team has a halfback starting the season at fullback, but you guys are starting with five captains. So, yeah, good omens for us. We're the two teams who've really struggled since 2011, and it's good to see that both teams are stepping in a direction. So, yeah. Stepping, oh, I guess for the Tigers, really, the only way is up. Although if they get the wooden spoon, then that will not that will be down. So, yeah, maybe the Tigers still have a little bit of going down to do. I for their sake, I don't want to speak negative. I hope they don't. I hope they have bottomed out. But I've got them in sixteenth. And yeah, if fuck if when they have a captain's challenge, you know, mm-hmm. if they wanted to challenge my statement right there, I'd be like one at a time, please. So I'm definitely taking the Melbourne Storm. Maybe only two of the captains will make it to the end of the season. Maybe that's what they're planning on. I'm not sure. <laughs> there, yeah. yeah, seems like a bit of uh, interesting back end behind the scenes stuff. But yeah, you never know. The West Tigers could make this one an exciting game. That's what I'll say. But I also have the Storm. But I, I mentioned to you, I might look at the West Tigers plus a few points. Um, it's a Saturday night game few key guys from the storm out could be closer than we think so but yeah i agree this i don't see them not coming 16th it's hard to the the five captains thing (laughs) if that if i'm like that was a sense i'm thinking sense of smell and i'm thinking that smells like shit i'm thinking like if i can smell their captaincy situation i'm like oh like that's that's rancid it smells like shit uh, and that is again no disrespect to any of the five individuals, I'd be happy to see them be captain standalone or like two, like three. Mm. Three is like pushing it at four and you're just fucking straight up laughing. Five, and the Tigers have done this before under Ivan Cleary. So it's like not like Madge is the first, but okay. five for me, that makes me wonder what the record is. I'm not going to look it up now, but I'm like, that's that's got to be like, I- up there. If not, the record. I've heard of like captain's committees. So like it, it gives if you frame it like That's that, it's not the weirdest. But no. when you do say it out loud, it is somewhat ridiculous. But it's also plusing the Tigers' ridiculousness on top of that, which makes it Definitely. even more ridiculous. It's, it's the, well, yeah, it's like we don't see the Storm and Roosters do this. And yeah, the fact it is the Tigers makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> and yeah, it's not good that when I think of the Tigers, I'm laughing. Uh, but yeah, like the, my team, the Warriors. Like, let's let, you know, I'm not fucking shooting from the top of the ladder. You know, but I yeah. feel you guys, Tigers fans. But yeah, but they're, they're they're taking on each other at Combank Stadium, one of your shittest stadium names, least favorite. Uh, Which kind of goes? I guess that's fitting for one of the shittest decisions I've ever seen. Naming five <laughs> captains. So yeah, best of luck to Madge. He's going to be under a lot of pressure from the media. Um, but the next, but the next game will Five be... Five captains to deflect the blame. <laughs> the next game up will be on Sunday from four, 4 o'clock, also at Combank. Interesting one too, Eels versus Titans. Could Titans pull an upset? I don't know. I'll let you break down the teams a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be a really close game. <laughs> Titans Ford Pack, uh, one of their greatest strengths. They've gone Alexander Brimson into the halves, AJ Brimson alongside Toby Sexton. I definitely think the Titans are going to give the Eels a real run for their money here. I really like the squads. Quickly looking through for the Eels, I've got their X-Factor player 
as Mitchell Moses. I think this is a huge year for him to step up. I think if there's any side that are going to win the premiership outside of Panthers, Storm and Roosters, I think it's going to be the Eels. I can actually envision them winning the premiership this year and I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. I predicted them to finish sixth, but I'm thinking anywhere between third and sixth. I think they can have a really great year. And I've got Mitchell Moses as the X-Factor player. As for the one to watch in this side, I have gone Sean Russell, who steps onto that left wing, taking the spot of Mike Acevo and Hayes Dunster, who had that really unfortunate season-ending injury in the trials. So Sean Russell, he is also a fullback, but playing on the wing here, really quality winger, and he has a chance to nail down the position for the first half of the season. There's been rumours that Mike Acevo is going to be leaving the club at season's end. Hayes Dunster is still going to be recovering from his injury. So this is a huge chance for Sean Russell to really establish himself as a quality and consistent first grader for the Eels. So my one to watch, Sean Russell, X-Factor player for the Eels, Mitchell Moses. As for their full team, Captain Clinton Gutherson, King Gutho at fullback, managed to re-sign him as well going forward. So that's huge for them. In the centres, Will Penasini, Will P. Censored, as Rugby League Live calls him. Uh, yeah, Rugby League Live blocked his last name because the first five letters of Will's last name spells penis. So the game doesn't trust me. Uh, yeah, you can download created players. And the game thinks I'm up to like some shady business. So yeah, that's on the game for being pretty disrespectful to a great emerging player's last name and censoring it. You can't just fucking censor people's last names. But Rugby League Live do what they want. So Will Penasini in the centres, one of the best young talents. He was one of my ones to watch in the season preview and he is my one to watch for them here. No, he's not. I think I said Sean Russell already. (laughs) We'll skip that out. In the centres, Will Penasini, who is also one of my ones to watch. I backed Sean Russell in, but Penasini is an elite talent. Definitely in the conversation as a future origin rep, Big things expected of Will Penasini. He will be partnered by Wanga Blake in the halves. On the wings, Sean Russell and Bailey Simonson coming over from the Raiders. In the halves, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. I think they can be a premiership winning combination. Did I pick them? No. But I genuinely think that can be a premiership winning number six and number seven. In the front row, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo, who also takes on the captaincy this year. Clint Gutherson and Junior Paulo, both captains of the Eels. At least that's fucking sensible, okay? Yeah, they didn't get carried away. Two captains, pretty standard in this day and age. Five captains, screams West Tigers. It, in the dummy half position for well, the Eels, Reed Marnie, off to the Bulldogs last, uh, not last year, going back in time. He did come from the Bulldogs though, he spent his juniors there. But Reed Marnie also played for my junior club, the Kiwana Dolphins, also didn't play for the Kiwana Dolphins B team, but I did, so same club. Uh, Reed Marnie in the number nine, as I said in my season preview, biggest loss for the Eels. Biggest loss out of any side for 2023, in my opinion, is Reed Marnie for the Eels. I am shocked that they let him go. In the back row for the Eels, Ryan Madison at lock, Isaiah Papali'i off to the Tigers next year in the back row, and Sean Lane also in the back row who... I signed him up for my Supercoach draft team this year, so I was happy to see him starting in the back row. On the Eels bench, Marco Hesse Makatoa, Oregon Kafusi off to the Sharks next year, 
Ray Stone off to the Dolphins next year. And in the number 17 jersey, very interestingly, Jake Arthur, the son of Coach Brad Arthur. So I'm very intrigued to see how they're going to use Jake Arthur, whether it's dummy half, does he play some halves, or does he play as a middle forward? I don't really know what what their kind of plan is for Jake Arthur. We'll know a little bit more after this weekend. As for the Gold Coast Titans, my one to watch, I have gone with Jaden Campbell, signing off foundation player Preston Campbell. Jaden Campbell was so good last year that they just had to move Brimson to the halves. Jaden Campbell now takes that fullback position. That is his spot to lose. Looks like an incredible talent. And I have no doubt Jaden Campbell is in for a cracking season. That's why I've picked Campbell as my one to watch. As for my X-Factor player for the Titans, it's David Fafita. He's in the starting jersey after finishing last year coming off the bench. He's going to be looking to own that jersey, Kevin Proctor, now coming off the bench, and there's heat on the bench and through the reserves. So David Fafita, if he can get to his best form, that is going to take the Titans a long way toward making the top eight. And I put them in my eight. They are the team, along with the Warriors probably, that I'm most concerned about not making the eight, that I've put in the eight. But I've put the Tigers in the eighth spot, and I've taken a couple of really decent teams out to accommodate them. But I do think they can get there, and David Fafita is a huge part of Overall, their push toward a premiership. The team lines up, Jaden Campbell at fullback, Corey Thompson and Philip Sammy on the wings, Brian Kelly, Patrick Herbert in the centres, AJ Brimson moves into 5'8". I think he's going to be really good there. He was a half coming through the grades and unstoppable, one of the elite young junior talents. Now he's going to look to convert that to NRL level consistently. And Brimson had done that at fullback, but now he's got to do that in the halves alongside relatively a rookie. Like Toby Sexton only debuted last season, only played a few games. Now he's got that role role, sorry, full-time. So very interesting that they've backed them in. Not a whole heap of players behind them as well in terms of established players, but they have got Paul Turner, who's coming from the Warriors, who I rate very highly. And they've got a couple of really young halves as well in their system. As for the Titans forwards, Mo Fodawaka, Aaron Clark at hooker, Isaac Liu, huge signing from the Roosters, very underrated. He is going to be a massive leader for the club. David Fafita and Bo Fermor in the back row. So Fermor beating out Kevin Proctor for that starting position. And Tino Fasua Malaawe, the captain. Big Tino getting the role this year. They've gone for kind of the long-term vision. Both their halves could stick around for the next 10 years, same as their fullback. And same as guys like David Fafita and the captain, Tino Fasuamula-Awe. So that is a great, great forward pack. So as far as the Eels potentially upsetting, or the Titans, sorry, potentially upsetting the Eels, I can absolutely see that happening. And a big reason as to why is their forward pack. On the bench, Will Smith playing up against his old side, the Eels. He was a tremendous number 14 for the Eels for a number of seasons. He can play halfback, hooker, fullback, pretty much anywhere on the park. So Will Smith, an incredibly valuable, versatile signing for the Titans, playing up against his old side, the Eels, this weekend. Sam Lissone, Jamin Joliffe, and Kevin Proctor make up the bench for the Titans. This is going to be a very, very close game. I think this... This could be one where, yeah, as far as like the underdogs go, I think the Titans are one of the most likely underdogs to get the win this weekend. But prediction-wise, I'm sticking with the Eels. 
As I said, they're one of the sides I can envision winning the Premiership this year. They have made a pact as well, including the departing players like Reid Marnie. They've made a pact to win the Premiership this season. So to come out and lose in round one is a very poor kind of statement of intent. I think they're going to have it in them. I do think they want it bad enough to come out and make a statement this weekend. I think Will Penasini is going to be in for a cracking game. So overall, I've gone the Eels. I do think the Titans are a chance. I still have them making the finals this year, but I'm taking the Eels. If they want to win a premiership this year, then it starts in round one. They need to come out, make a statement. The early season, I mean, the late season fadeouts have been kind of one of the main criticisms that have been made of them, but they need they still need to start well because... They don't even need to think about their late season yet. Right now is about starting well. They've already definitely considered the fade-outs and maybe why they're happening and look to make adjustments. So now what they've got to do is play their best footy. That starts in round one. I am going the Eels over the Titans. Which way are you going with this one, JJ? Yeah, I'm smelling a bit of an upset here. I don't know why. Just um, something makes me think that... I guess I've watched the Eels in the past and they just, they're one of those teams that can surprise you in both the best and worst ways. Definitely. That's why I was, I was never going to predict them as the premiers. I could see them winning the premiership, but I was like, fuck, I could Mm. see them winning the wooden spoon. Yeah. It's a bit of an Eels thing. Um, But this will be a banger no matter what, because if the Titans get up, well, that'll be a huge thing for them, a good omen for their season. And if the Eels get up, it will be over a quality up-and-coming slide. So it should be a quality contest either way, I'd imagine. So Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be one of the games of the weekend, no doubt. So you're going with the Titans, you say? Yeah, I've got it in yeah. a cheeky outside multi so uh, with the Sharks, I believe. So There we go. Keep, keep an eye on that one. See so yeah, how that sure. plays out. Um, but we'll jump into the next game. Up next from Townsville, it is the Cowboys taking on the Bulldogs. Another interesting clash, very, very probably going to be very close. What are you thinking? Well, the last game of the round, this is definitely the hardest to pick. I mean, if either of these, in the most respectful way possible, if either of these sides were playing any other side, I'd be tipping against them. So (laughs) it, it makes it really hard. I predicted the Cowboys to come 15th this season. I can see them exceeding that most definitely. They have got some great young players as for the Bulldogs, I predicted them to come 13th. No, Knights were 13th, 14th. Bulldogs 14th. So rising two spots up the ladder, I still think... I think next year is the year. I do think they are in for some really great years ahead. But I think next year is really... This year's the first year of that with a lot of their signings, like Matt Burton, Josh Adokar, Tafita Pango Jr., Paul Vaughan, Brent Naden. Heaps and heaps. Matt Dufty. Signed some really quality players, but I think the two positions they're missing, back rower and dummy half. The two players they've signed for next season, Viliami Kikau, premiership winning back rower, and Reid Marnie, dummy half. As I said, biggest loss of any club for 2023 in my opinion. So I think from next year onwards, I think the Bulldogs have that full kind of setup to complement the players in their team, but... This year, the one thing that worries me is the fact that these guys, a lot of these guys haven't played together as a team. And yeah, individually, these players are much better than the Bulldogs team, no offense, that played last year. But 
together and the cohesion, that is definitely going to be a factor going into this one. The Cowboys much more settled, only making a couple of signings. Of course, one of them is their halfback in Chad Townsend, but a lot of these guys, this is a, a much more similar team. And then a lot of the young guys who've come through the system together compared to the Bulldog who, Bulldogs, sorry, or Phil Gould style, the Bulldog, uh, which Phil Gould is a massive, massive factor as well at the Bulldogs, huge positive impact. But yeah, the Bulldogs over the last couple of years have cut a hell of a lot of guys. They've been going through a roster clean out, so totally different side, whereas this Cowboys one features some guys that have been there for a while, like Jason Tamalolo, Kyle Feld, Cohen Hess. So they have a lot, of, lot better understanding of each other's games and combinations. As far as both sides' X-Factor player goes, having a look through the Bulldogs, no doubt Matt Burton coming over as a premiership winner was playing centre, but 5'8 is definitely his best position. I am really high on Matt Burton. I think he's going to be in for a very long and successful career, but let's see. The Bulldogs, yeah. The, if, they, if it was the Bulldogs of last year, then... Teams like that can really fuck a man's career up, but they, they've brought enough quality players in, and Matt Burton is no doubt the future of this club. I see very bright things in the future of the Bulldogs, but this year I have them 14th. Happy to be proven wrong, though. Their side, Matt Burton, X-Factor player. As the one to watch, I have put down Bailey Beyondi Ono, he, or Odo, sorry, he is a very quality young player. He was playing for them last year as well, but now he steps into that number 14 jersey. He can play dummy half and he can play in the halves. Skill set likened similarities to Sean Johnson to give you an idea of his skill set. So Bailey beyond Iodo, he is definitely one to watch for the Bulldogs. Now going through their team list, I was very surprised to see Aaron Shoup was not named, and they've gone with Braden Burns in the centres. So Burns and Brent Naden in the centres, Braden coming over from the Rabbitohs, Brent coming over from the Panthers. On the wings, Jaden Ockenbohr and Josh Adokar. Jaden Ockenbohr of trying to get with a schoolgirl fame, I'm pretty sure, allegedly. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know enough details, so i got to spit out allegedly. But yeah, I'm pretty. Jaden Ockenbohr got sacked from the Bulldogs for some kind of school shenanigans. Nothing, nothing like, you know, Brett Finch level. No, like nothing disgraceful. Like, I mean, it was a bit disgraceful, but uh, no, it was nothing like that, I don't believe. But yeah, a little bit of uh, bad behavior. So yeah, Jed Nockenball was sacked, but he's back, so he's done enough to get his contract back. But yeah, that was an interesting note. And Josh Adokar, premiership winner coming over from the Storm, origin player, international player, marquee player, what a signing. And it's going to be incredible to see what Josh Adokar can do in a Bulldogs jersey. At fullback, they have gone with Matt Dufty. He looks like he's going to be a perfect signing for them. They needed a fullback, and Matt Dufty needed a club. In 5'8", Matt Burton, my X-Factor player. At halfback, Jake Avarillo. I've said it before, I don't think he's the halfback. I'd like to see him play somewhere else, even if that was at 5'8", but they have Burton. Jake Avarillo, not a halfback for mine. Do they go Kyle Flanagan? Yeah, I don't know. Look, the halfback is a major issue for the Bulldogs. That's why I have them in 14th place this season. In the forwards for the Dogs, Luke Thompson and Paul Vaughan. Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. Jack Hetherington going to be playing in the back row now. 
potentially because he's been giving away so many bloody fucking penalties and getting suspended for like six weeks at a time for unruly behavior. And Jack Hetherington has a very, very high ceiling, but he's going to be in big danger if he keeps getting suspended because of all the carryover points and things like that. And then all of a sudden for even a minor thing, the NRL will rule you out for like two or three weeks. So they've moved Hetherington to an edge. He uh, he just couldn't help himself in the middle getting, you know, aggressive and fired up. So they've been like, mate, just get on an edge, run at halves, you know, do this stuff to halves instead of yeah, being crazy and fucking doing this to like the biggest guy on the field. So Hetherington to the back row and Tavita Pangai Jr. joining the club. Huge signing. He'll be playing in the back row as well with Captain Josh Jackson at lock. On the bench, my one to watch, Bailey Biodo-Iota. Fuck, I'll say that again. On the bench, my one to watch, Bailey Biondi-Iota, Corey Waddell, Max King coming over from the Storm, and Chris Patolo has done enough to snag that last spot on the bench. So an interesting team for the Bulldogs in the last game of the round in Townsville. As for the Cowboys... And a very interesting situation. One of the players I would have put as the X-Factor player, Scott Drinkwater, not named, or named number 19. So very interesting. And I can also see, oh, my apologies, Jake Granville is starting at number 18. So he doesn't look like he was going to play. I was having a chat with my mate Geordie a little bit earlier who looked like he was uh, planning to play Jake Granville at fullback. He was talking to me about Supercoach. I told him that... Granville was probably playing off the bench. Turns out Granville is number 18. Anyway, back to the Cowboys side. Hamaso Tabuai Fido at fullback. The hammer. Incredible to see him there. Valentine Holmes, as I predicted in my season preview, will line up at left center. Petahiku comes over from the Warriors at right center. On the wings, Murray Talangi and Kyle Felt. In the halves, no Scott Drinkwater. Tom Dearden getting that number six jersey. He's been in very good form. Obviously had huge wraps on him in the Broncos system. They were like, this kid's going to be our next guy for fucking years. And then like a year and a half into that, they were like, you can go now. Like you can go mid-season. Fucking, you can go now. Yeah, they will sign the papers. You can literally just, you can be there next week. So yeah, interesting from the Broncos. But the Cowboys are the biggest beneficiaries of that. They now have Tom Dean in their system. And he'll partner up with the new captain, Chad Townsend. At least according to NRL.com, I thought Tal Malolo was the captain, but the Chad, the captain. There's only one of them, it appears, at the Cowboys. Very sensible, very normal, not shit show behavior. And this is from a club that were right down the bottom of the ladder last season. Obviously, they're not resorting to any outrageous measures to try and get themselves into the eight, playing it very sensible, almost in this day and age, conservative with the one captain. In the forwards for the Cowboys, Jermaine Taunoa Brown, Cohen Hess, and at hooker, Reese Robson. In the back row, Hylam Lukey, great young talent, and Jeremiah Nanai. Nearly fucked that. Jeremiah Nanai, another great young player. Jason Tamalolo will be playing in the number 13. There was a lot of speculation about which kind of position he'd play. Would they move him to the back row or maybe prop? But they've said he's going to play 13. Dean Young, the assistant coach, has also said he's going to be playing a lot more minutes this year. That was one point of conversation last year that they were going to limit his minutes so that to kind of increase his longevity. It looks like that's no longer the case. They're like, oh, we are fucking shit when he's on the bench. 
He plays his best footy when he gets his motor running and when he plays long minutes. So we're definitely going to see a better year from Jason Taumalolo. On the bench for the Cowboys, Ruben Cotter, Jordan McLean, Mitchell Dunn, and Tom Gilbert. So quickly looking through the Cowboys, my one to watch, I ended up selecting Jeremiah Nanai in the back row. I think if he can have some really good games to start the year, then that is his position to lose, which definitely there are a few guys like Connolly Lemulu or Lemuelu who's pushing for that back row position after switching from the centers. So a lot of guys going for that position, but my one to watch, Jeremiah Nanai, I think he's going to fend off some of the guys going for that position and hold on to it long term. Although I have heard rumors that there are other clubs after him, not exactly sure what the go is there. And as far as my X Factor player for the Cowboys, it's Jason Tamalolo. He's playing more minutes again. Everything we know about Jason Tamalolo, that's why he's the X Factor. They've got him on a long term contract. A lot of money invested in him. There's still rumors going around, you know, that maybe that's not going to last. Maybe he's going to end up asking for a release or the Cowboys are going to try and move him on or change the contract situation. But as of right now, he is their highest paid player. He is their X-Factor player. So Jason Tamalolo, he's the guy that when the game's on the line, I think he can tip the scale in the Cowboys' favor. And that is exactly why I'm predicting the Cowboys I think the Bulldogs have a better team on paper, but a couple of things, the Cowboys, as I said, they're more familiar with each other, not as many wholesale changes to the team. So I think ultimately they'll be more comfortable with their combinations when they run out for round one. And it's little differences like that. Plus, I still don't trust the Bulldogs fully until I've seen what they can do in the NRL, not a trial with this squad. Obviously, significantly, significantly better squad than last year's Wooden Spoon side. But until they can kind of show me what they can do, I just don't have the faith in them. Not much faith in the Cowboys either, but that's the way I'm going. If Jason Tamalolo has a big game, I think that is kind of enough to swing it in their favor. So ultimately, in the last game of round one, I am taking the North Queensland Cowboys. I'll jump in quickly with my pick. Um, I actually tend to agree pretty much 100% with your analysis. I like the Bulldogs overall over the season and we'll probably see them finish ahead of the Cowboys. Not sure. If they can get the Cowboys 15th, Bulldogs 14th. There you go. That's pretty much... Tigers and their fucking five captains, 16th. <laughs> Clearly, Shit the more, more captains you have, the, the lower the standing, which I totally understand. Um, but that was more the less finals appearances you have <laughs> since 2011. Also, um, except that. that didn't apply to the Warriors. <laughs> but yeah, I, I tend to agree. It looks like the Cowboys will get it done in this particular game. Um, yeah, a bit more team synergy. They're at home. Um, but it should be a good game. I can see the Bulldogs getting up. But I'm Definitely, just, yeah. 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 I just can't see. I think, like, yeah, I just can't see how. How they get up. I mean, I can, like, 100% I can see them winning. Like, they can definitely mm. win. But when I'm trying to think, like, how do they win? It's like obvious things come to mind. Like, yeah, Matt Burton's going to win them the game. Or, like, Josh Adokar's going to score a try. But yeah. I don't think they can just flick it on like that. They're not – these guys aren't playing for the Storm or the Panthers anymore. Mm. Now you're playing for the Wooden Spooners. Yeah, it's not – it won't – everyone will have to simultaneously lift and on the first week. So it'll be interesting to see if – look, if they come out and get off to a fly, the Bulldogs could do – you know, yeah. eight? Is that too far? 
Like on paper, definitely not. On paper, on paper, yeah. On paper, that's like a final side, but then mm. it's like you got guys like it's like if you get Tavita Pango Jr. at his best, but it's like, mm. are you? Mm. It's not a 50 50. Like to get him not at his best definitely outweighs getting him at his best. Like I think it's more likely that you're not going to consistently <clears throat> get his best. And then you've got like Jack Hetherington. Is he going to stay on the park? If he gets suspended, if guys like him and Tavita can't stay on the field, then, mm. yeah, all of a sudden there's, like, not too many guys have to drop out of that team for it to start being more similar to the wooden spoon side than, like, a top eight side. Mm. Well, a few high-risk players in there, so we'll see if, I guess, they can get the foundation um, worked out as the season progresses, but could be a lot of upside for sure. Definitely long-term upside, but, yeah. This weekend, I'm going against the Bulldogs, but, like, respect. They've gone one captain. Like, again, <laughs> Bulldogs coming off a wooden spoon and, yeah, not the biggest shit show. They Look at the players they've signed and, yeah, it's like, yeah, the Tigers have signed Dapi Corsair and Isaiah Papali. What, are they going to fucking have eight captains next year? <laughs> I hope so. Or if they... That would be grass. If, if they, they get the spoon this year, maybe they'll have to resort to that. But, um yeah, I think that's all the games. But did you want to say anything else in general before we wrap it up? Oh, fucking enjoy the footy. I Yeah, I'm so, so stoked to have the footy back. It's going to be great. I will not this weekend because I'll be away on the business trip. But going forward, I will be doing some form of a wrap-up of the action from the weekend. Not too long. And going forward, the, these podcasts will be a little bit shorter, just a lot of team lists to get through today. But, yeah, I'm going to be trying to pump out a preview and then some form of review or just yeah taking in what we've seen over the weekend very minimal judiciary talk this year don't want to talk a lot about that can't be fucked talking a lot about referees unless it absolutely warrants it and yeah one of the last things i'd like to go back to is nrl 360 and their coverage on the bulldogs not having any drones now phil gould replied Changed his Twitter profile picture to a drone on top of a Bulldogs logo. I guess saying, hey, we have drones. So yeah, NRL 360, of course, getting those hard-hitting issues. Round one, the footy's about to start. You know, that smells in the air. We're all excited. Buzz and the team and Paul Kent get together. They're like, what can we, you know, how do we get the fans pumped? The footy's back. The Bulldog, you know, one of the geniuses came up, like, just must have, you know, been smiling. You know when you have something good to say and you're smiling and you're just like, fuck, I'm just going to wait to say it. And as soon as it goes silent, it's like, Bulldogs don't have any drones. <laughs> Bulldogs going to struggle. Trent Barrett under pressure. Bulldogs, no drones. So, yeah, that's, fuck me. Like, what ideas got shot down at that meeting? And so, yeah, unfortunately, I've had to call it. I've retired from NRL 360 on even a part-time basis. Like, I'll, I will tune into it from time to time if I am desperate, but I can't handle it. Last year, round one, it was... And this is part of the reason I started this podcast, to actually talk somewhat about the games and focus on the games, because, yeah, last one, last year, I remember turning on NRL 360, first round of the year, similar feeling. I was like, oh, the footy's back. Let's just get some form, even though this is honestly, like, Production-wise, top tier. Content-wise, bottom-of-the-barrel shit. So I was like, this is pretty bottom-of-the-barrel shit, but, like, the footy is back. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll fucking take it. I tune in. First thing they're talking about, half an hour with Cooper Cronk, and they are grilling the fuck out of him because he's been doing coaching work 
with both the Roosters and the Storm, both teams that he's played for and has great relationships with the clubs. And they're like, uh, is this a conflict of interest? And Cooper Cronk, one of the most well-regarded professional blokes, hasn't done anything wrong in his career. Like it, when you think about Cooper Cronk, you think like uh, the utmost professional and they're like, is this a conflict of interest? And he's like, no, and here's why. And they're like, this is a conflict of interest. So yeah, after that, I was like, fuck this. I'm not subjecting myself to this. This year, it looks like round one, a bit of the chat surrounding drones. So yeah. And apparently the Bulldogs do have drones. So make with that what you will. But that's basically the final note I have that, yeah, that is another reason why I'll be going the Cowboys over the Bulldogs, just the lack of clarity about the drones. I think Paul Kent was right. The, maybe they, maybe Trump Barrett is under pressure. I didn't realise when I did my season preview and I put them 14th that potentially they don't have drones. Otherwise I would have done 16th. So thank you NRL 360 for that hard-hitting journalism that you guys love to do. And, yeah, no drones over at the Bulldogs. So you heard it here second. You heard it on NRL 360 first. Um, truth pending, we actually don't know. It sounds like the Bulldogs do have drones. But don't let that get in the way of a good story. Uh, those boys definitely never do. So, yeah, uh, I won't, I'll say, you know, just a little bit of 360 shit talk. I'm not going to be trashing them all year. Uh, but, yeah, basically drones, conflicts of interest. I'm done. I'm retiring from 360. And yeah, for now, I'm retiring from this round one podcast. We've just said everything we need to say and a little bit more. That was kind of unnecessary what I just said about 360. But yeah, I, that's why I made this podcast. I want to talk about the games. I want to focus on the games. I don't want to focus on referees under pressure. I don't want to focus on the judiciary. And yeah, other than that, that's pretty much it. So enjoy the footy this weekend. We will be back next week for our weekly preview i can't wait to get back from my business trip and catch up on all of the action so have a cracking weekend and hopefully your team goes well this weekend if you have the tigers as your team then at least we can laugh together we can laugh together because the five captains thing is fucking stupid i don't know what's stupider the fucking drone situation or the five captains because all of a sudden the drone thing seems pretty sensible. So, yeah, some pretty wacky things that we... Both shit show material. Very <laughs> shit show material. Maybe, Bulldogs and the Tigers. Maybe we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> check up on that. We'll see next week if we have any update on the drones, five captain. And we'll see over, we'll see over the season, like, what kind of effect does either A, no drone, or B, just speculation over no drone. Like, you do have a drone... But the speculation, you're still in the papers. There's still that outside noise. And people view, you know, like imagine being a Bulldogs player and being like, we fucking have drones. And then like, yeah, the people just see you differently now. And I definitely see the Bulldogs differently. Yeah, they say perception is reality. So a lot of... Tell that to the Tigers with their fucking five (laughs) captains. Yeah, that's no comment. But yeah. Looking forward to a good one this season and we'll be we'll be focusing in on the storylines that actually are relevant. Not not the not the drugs. Like five captains. <laughs> that's that's actually fucking hilarious. But yeah, wrap it up here. That's it. We'll All wrap right. it up from uh, myself, JJ and the other three of us here at Not Just a Sports Report. Uh, oh, we don't have any drones as so. well.
But we're, we're all captains. So. Oh, yeah. We're all captains. Uh, <laughs> over and out from us. And yeah, thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.